0: this is it what satoshi's pouring from the sky stack some chips up
1: Hello Bitcoiners everywhere, Uh, welcome to the 21ism podcast. Every 21 days, we take another spin on the Bitcoin creative carousel, celebrating the very best creative minds in art, design, music, memes, video, writing and development. Bitcoin is communicating truth and knowledge to every corner of the world. Art is just one of the languages through which it speaks. For some, it might even be the Trojan horse that lights their curiosity. But for many of us, of course, Bitcoin has already taken over our hearts and minds. Join us as we celebrate creative freedom of expression, inspired by the ultimate expression of freedom. First up on this Genesis episode, we have the mean meme dealer, the meme lord, sven Star fury. While Sven is well known for his poignant moving image memes, not many people will know about his fascinating life story or his inspiring lifestyle. Interviewing him is our very own self banked and uh, man, I love this interview. Uh, I hope you guys do too. For the full interviews, Go to everyone's individual feature pages on 21ism.com.
2: Welcome. Greetings. <laughs> Thanks, good to be here. And so the big question, the first question is clearly,
3: is it GIF or GIF? Oh, dude, I, I stay out of that one. As someone who grew up bilingual, um, I realise that, you know, the, <laughs> everything's sort of relative. Um, so, yeah, I stay, try and stay out of such petty little debates and I just make the animations.
2: Cool. And you make amazing animations huge fan of what you do really viral really powerful it's great that you've sort of open sourced them and i think they articulate some of the big phrases and the big memes and um yeah i use them a lot uh, just kind of drop them into uh into tweet storms and things um great work absolutely love it
3: Thank you. I mean, that's what they're for after all. Um, I don't really see the point in um, having exclusive ownership
2: to them. Like, the whole point of them is to spread them far and wide. So, yeah. Um, It'll be good to go into your kind of creation process for them. Um, But I think think it would be particularly nice just to start uh, with a bit more of the backstory on you, really. And if we can just sort of start at the beginning. um, And so you've already kind of crossed continents at an early stage in your life. Uh, You moved from uh, East Berlin, or your family moved from East Berlin in in the mid-80s, I believe. Um, That must have been quite an adjustment. How old were you then? Yeah, I was
3: four years old. That was, uh, yeah, uh, 85, which was three years before the Berlin Wall came
2: down. Yeah, yeah. And so what are your memories of the time and the experience I wouldn't say I have direct memories from it. My, um, my
3: early childhood memories are pretty shot through anyway. So, um, I don't know if that's because it was particularly traumatic or, or anything, I'm not, I'm not sure, but, um, I, I more remember like just growing up in Australia and being, being different (laughs) somehow and, uh, yeah. And i mean the the tough thing about it was is that my or presumably but my my parents came over here with nothing, they had to um in you know in quotes donate everything um, to the church over there, I think at the time um, and my dad had his own house, which he built with his own hands, it was in East Berlin, and you know basically gave it away to start life in Australia again as a you know mid thirty something mm-hmm. I think he managed to squirrel away like a couple of hundred dollars. US, um, which I'm not sure how he got his hands on, but um, uh, to, here, to start again in Australia, just with a couple of suitcases of clothes and two kids, so no yeah, way. must have been tough for him
2: Yeah, yeah, of course um, and so how do you think your experience as a child in Australia and so versus back in East Berlin at the time has been kind of different? I just think I always felt
3: like sort of an outcast um, growing up and I guess that put me on the sort of anti authoritarian path as well. And my dad always instilled this sort of distrust in authorities for that reason, you know, like the government that he had over there. Um, they took everything from him and he was he was terrified. I think those I think they had to give up their German passports and they were it was sort of like the plane trip over here. They weren't sure if they would actually get into Australia and it was all just so complicated. And I I guess I always had this sense that the government was this sort of overarching power that we're under its power and there wasn't much we could do about it. You know, even, even trying to flee, you were still got screwed over. And I think that's, that's the thing, man. Um, and man, you've gone really deep. Cause I like, this is like really at the core of my personality, but I hadn't thought about it to this level. And, but it is that thing about freedom. And it's my, it's my main driver as well. I'm getting sort of goosebumps now, but um, <laughs> yeah, like this drive for freedom and just, yeah, fuck. How else can I say it? But yeah. it's it should just be a god given right, and it's just such an injustice that they have the power to to take that away from you. Um, so yeah, I think most of the things I've done in my life have been to to maximise sort of the freedom in my life.
2: When you were a kid, uh, and, and, and so you talked about being uh, drawn to the hacker world a little bit to the kind of ASCII art. Um, mm. So you always had like early creative kind of tendencies, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I used to draw and did some programming and, you know, as
3: a, a kid in the 90s, you know, <laughs> write some programs in Visual Basic or whatever and, um, like, you know, I, I dabbled with music, but I I don't think I ever had a clear focus for it. You know, even, you know, you play Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, you be a dungeon ma- master and draw all these maps and, and dungeons and whatever. And so there's always that sort of creativity and, you know, read all the science fiction and fantasy novels and stuff, but I... I never did and I still don't really consider myself an artist, you know, it was and that's why that hacker thing kind of more resonates with me. I like I just yep. like I love using the tools. Mm-hmm. And back then, you know, even the text document when I was a, uh, you know, like 14 or 15 and doing ASCII art or using like the first the earliest versions of D-Paint on my Amiga and mm-hmm. just, you know, being able to <laughs> Uh, draw things. That was like a, a new, there's a new tool to use. I also made, um, uh, music on, on my Amiga in like pro tracker. Like this was, um, you know, sort of the original techno sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, even later in my twenties, I, I wrote music, but it was more about like, like back then it was, um, you know, I had BitTorrent and the Pirate Bay and I got this new software and it was just cool software and I wanted to learn how to use it. And, it's Mm. kind of just progressed in that way with me like I um the business that we sold recently was just a little um organic food business but I was sort of just me and my partner doing it so I had to do everything myself and I Mm. I did all our labels and I learned Adobe Illustrator to do that and then since then my partner in in her work as well I do all her social media stuff so it's kind of like I've always used these tools and then um you know, my partner was doing more video content and I was doing like the subtitles and video editing for her. Mm. And I kind of went through the progression of Adobe software, like um, Photoshop, Illustrator and Adobe Premiere for the video editing. And um, After Effects was always like a really daunting, scary thing and it actually took me um, Kind of like about a year like knowing that oh i I could use it but it looks so complicated and at one point i just i just decided to to do it and get over that initial hump of (laughs) confusion and um and sort of throw bitcoin into the mix and like it's just kind of my uh, the, the the source of inspiration it's like bitcoin's my muse and i get to learn this new software which is really powerful and
2: yeah, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> cool. So, I mean, it's it's it, yeah. it, it, it's clear that you uh, you're a man who can take a tool, and you can get the most out of it. Um, and it sounds like with all these, uh, all, and so with all this kind of software that you're talking about, you've always had a tendency to do that. And and it's clear with the kind of gifts that you're pumping out that you can, you can articulate your idea through these, and so through this kind of medium in a way which a lot of people do struggle with. Um, you're a, a very effective user of these tools, um, and, and yeah, the, the, yeah. Sorry, the learning curve is really steep
3: on these ones, and you know, even though the the um, tu- there's so many tutorials and out out there for everything, like you've just got to just got to have a, um, a good sense of how to use tools and not be scared to experiment. And, you know, it's just, I've had a computer since I was like uh, 12 or 13. I mean, like my first computer was a Commodore 64. I think I had an Atari 2600 before that and had the Amigas and, you know, just always growing up with them. So
2: yeah, I think I can use software well. Cool. So um, things got kind of tied together after Bitcoin. So I guess we need to go into your, into your red pill story. If you could, just explain a little bit of how you got into it, what brought you to it.
3: Yeah. And I first heard about Bitcoin, I think, in like 2015. And it was um, uh, Andreas Antonopoulos was actually on uh, Stefan Molyneux. Uh, he was being interviewed on Freedom in Radio. Um, and, you know, I just wasn't in a position to actually buy anything <laughs> then. So that was probably when I first heard about it. Um, I'd uh, Probably for about 10 years, again, thanks to, to Steph, he was... Um, he put me onto the path of libertarianism and uh, which which i 'd always been into, although I might not have recognized it as such, but he, I think he gave me a name for this um, desire of freedom um, and you know he was also big on the economics of it all, so I think I was really when it finally came onto my radar again in 2017 Mm -hmm. um, I was so primed for it and at that time we'd been running our business for a few years so I actually was in a position to actually buy some you know Um, and since then it's just been my complete it's been all consuming it's been my sole focus um, and you know black pilled i guess um that that means you're you don't have much hope for the world you think it's like kind of all going in a bad way um, and and bitcoin was sort of a like i guess the orange cure is the, sorry the orange pill is a bit of a cure for the black pill because uh, it's given me hope uh, yeah. again um and you know that's where the the fix the money, fix the world thing comes, comes from. And yeah. I guess my only, the only other thing I add to that is that I think it's like fix the money and fix parenting and fix the world. And, um, yeah. it's fortunate for myself, but I found a partner whose mission is the parenting thing. And my mission, you know, is to support her, but also this Bitcoin thing. So, you know, it's just quite fulfilling, um, to have a purpose like that. Um, given that the, you know, the world can be a pretty dark place, but we, we both have like, some really positive things that we're, we're working towards.
2: Yeah, and, and, and so it sounds like, and so both you and your wife are, are, are kind of fiercely independent, strong critical thinkers. Um, and, and so how, how, what does this freedom mean for you and how are you trying to live the freest life in the past few years, and so particularly after Bitcoin? Um, yeah, freedom to me just should be
3: the default state. Um, and, but we have, we live under these great powers, you know, the centralized institutions, governments and and nation states. Um, Mm. and I've just, you know, since my mid twenties, I've just tried to live my life as much as possible as if the state doesn't exist. you know, and that's been to my detriment as well. Even at the moment, like we'd definitely be eligible for some of these, um, you know, sort of government handouts, uh, related to COVID and stuff. And it's just not worth, I really feel not to be overly dramatic, but I really feel like it doesn't, would, the cost of my soul is not worth it. And that's really how I feel when I walk into, we call it Centrelink here, but the employment, unemployment services or whatever it would be in other countries. Um, you know, whenever, whenever I work into a government institution like that like i just feel gross and handing over all my details to them like it's just not worth it for me i'd rather be free and you know poorer for it or whatever i think that's that's worth it to me um so yeah the last um i mean how far back to go but in in recent history like the last thing i did was my partner and i we started a little organic food business and we were at the farmers markets Yep. Every Sunday for five years, and we really built that business up from from zero um, prior to that, like i was a I was just a hippie going to psychedelic music festivals and stuff, and I was actually a, a fire dancer, fire performer and um, it's sort of how I met my partner and um, right. yeah we we'd traveled around Europe for six months doing fire performances and when we came back to Australia we were we had to ask ourselves like uh, are we going to keep um, doing this fire dancing stuff and, um, are we going to, you know, cause there's no money in that obviously it's fine if you want to keep going to festivals. But, um, so we decided to give this organic food business a shot. We had a couple of thousand dollars to our name, but, um, yeah, five years ago we managed to sell it and, you know, I jumped <laughs> a couple of orders of magnitude in just terms of personal wealth. So, you know, kind of went from zero to, to where we are now. And, um, after we sold the business, we also sold 80% of our, or eighty or ninety percent of our worldly possessions, and um, moved out of our house, and we bought a van, and we travelled around Australia for um, about nine months, wow. and that was touring with my partners, uh, like parenting workshops. So we did, you know, something like six, or maybe like ten thousand kilometres around Australia in that time, and uh, then COVID hit, um, <laughs> and which kind of put a damper on things. And we've been living on my mate's property, which is you know, three hundred or so acres of paradise here in southeast Queensland. Um, <laughs> And, yeah, I mean, like I said, that's about as free as you can get. And, you yeah, know, our daughter's like five and a half years old now. Wow. Uh, nearly six, actually. And, yeah, we just maximized the quality family time we have t- together while still being able to work mm. on the road as digital nomads because my partner, um, she does uh, sort of one-on-one therapy sessions and, you know, sells her online courses and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's maximized freedom, man. What can I say?
2: That's amazing. Um... Yeah, it's 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 impossible to know what's going to happen from here. But I mean, it's going to be a hell of a year—the twelve months from now, right? Mm. Oh, yeah. Any predictions? <laughs> um, well, governments
3: going to keep governmenting. Yeah. Um, Bitcoin's going to keep producing blocks <laughs> approximately every ten minutes. That's a good prediction um, that might come true. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's really it. You know. Um, I think, yeah, I think um, there's going to be fireworks in America, like whatever the results of that election over there are. The other, the losing side is not going to accept them. Um, And, you know, for better or worse, most of the world is kind of tied to what goes on over there in some way or other. So I think it's going to be pretty chaotic and rocky. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think it's going to return to normal anytime Mm -hmm. soon, whatever normal yeah, means now
2: yeah. Uh, and so you're going to be focusing on just doing your thing and so your family your relationships your work your creativity
3: i think that's what everyone should focus on you know it's jordan peterson's thing clean your room <laughs> you know like i think that's where so much of the folly in the world comes from in people thinking they can make decisions for others or um Mm. you know that's the, that's the whole that's the whole state in a nutshell and i just want people to mind their own business leave me alone and if, if everyone did that we'd all be good um so yeah I'm, of course i'm just gonna do my thing
2: like i said ten of my garden cool and, and and so where can people can find you and your work yeah just on twitter uh it's at star fury flames thank you sven it's been awesome it's been an absolute pleasure Woo!
1: So basically, two years ago, my mom convinced me
4: to loan her half of all my savings and spend it on Bitcoin.
0: Did you give it to her to invest in Bitcoin? Bitcoin, 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 in Bitcoin.
5: Well, uh...
4: I loaned it to her. So now I'm in college and I need the money for tuition.
3: And so I want her to give the money back to me. And she's now refusing and she's saying, Bitcoin's gonna
1: that's why you have to listen to your mother kids next up is our featured writer of this genesis block of ours he needs no introduction although he's getting one anyway Uh, well known for his incredible book 21 lessons as well as many insightful and interesting articles and his always enjoyable shitposting on twitter is the uh, thoroughly decent they are gigi um and uh yeah interviewing gigi is our friend john vallis Legend. and uh, as you would expect from those two it gets cosmic pretty quickly damn
4: i feel better after having read that <laughs> 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 um Welcome everybody, I suppose. Welcome's are in order. Uh I just read the piece by my friend Gigi uh featured in Twenty One Ism. And uh man, I'm got, i got my eyes are a bit watery, I, My my heart rate is accelerated. I got you know, I've got uh goosebumps and tingling. Like that was that was an excellent piece. Uh we've had a conversation along those lines many times before, but uh First, I'll just say uh, it's good to be talking to you again, man, an amazing piece. And uh, let's talk a little bit about it.
5: Thanks for having me. Good to talking to you as well, as always. And, you know, um, as Odell likes to say, bullish on Bitcoiners. That's what I am. <laughs> so that was the motivation for writing the piece.
4: Yeah, well, it shines through and I'm 100 I'm percent with you. Um, there's, there's so much to, so many different angles to approach this from. Um, but one of the things, we've talked about this many times before, but I think there's the overt creativity, and this is what we're going to talk about today, kind of how Bitcoin has influenced your creativity. And I want to set it up in two ways. One, the kind of overt, obvious creativity where you are somehow inspired to express or to create output as a result of that that thing that's driving you. And in the piece for 21ism, you mentioned, you, you make reference to that scene in, um, in The Matrix, where uh, Morpheus is questioning Neo about these things. And I think that's great. And I, I'd love to get into some of the specifics of precisely what you've been driven to create and why, like why choose those things out of the abundance of things that you could choose. But the other point that I think, you know, came through at the, the end of the piece was that Bitcoin changes people on such fundamental levels. And really, every act that we take is an act of creation. Every word that we speak, every decision we make, when we zig, when we zag, what we get up, what we decide to do when we put our feet on the floor in the morning, that is driven by our desire to create, to express, to build, to become. That's what creativity is. So it's not just relegated to the realm of you know, uh, art, for example. And this is the, the creativity that I, we've talked about before that is so exciting. And like you said, bullish on Bitcoiners. Why? Because this, this um, phenomenon is inspiring them to become different people. And in doing so, create a different reality for themselves and for the people that they interact with in the broader world. And that is a crazy thing, but it's also a crazy, exciting thing. So. Uh, Take that wherever you want to go. I don't, I don't know which one to ask you <laughs> first, the former or the latter.
5: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And I agree, it's a crazy thing. I still don't really know what to make of it because it seems that um, yeah, Bitcoin has a way to take possession of you, not in a bad way, and uh, yeah, even change you for the better. I think we see this over and over and over again. And there are so many Bitcoiners now that talk about it, that they got into Bitcoin first for whatever reason, some might uh, saw it as a get-rich-quick scheme. And some uh, might uh, found it interesting from a technological point of view. Some maybe got into it out of necessity via dark markets or whatever. and it it seems that once you stick around long enough and dive dive down the rabbit hole that we uh, talk about so often, uh, once you really understand how the current money is broken and how Bitcoin fixes the money, it, it really changes you in profound ways. And it also seems that what Seyfedin talks about all the time, that it seems to change people's time preference, that you start to plan for the future more because you can be sure that your Bitcoin will still be around in the future. There is no way to devalue them in, in the traditional sense of how governments devalue your money. And nobody can Take them forcibly away from you, the only way that someone will will um, yeah the only way to take Bitcoin out of the hands of someone else is to provide something of value and that's very different than what we have currently because governments and banks can step in and take haircuts on your accounts freeze your accounts um, you can just be depossessed by so many ways and Bitcoin is secure to all of that. And once you realize that it, it changes you profoundly, I think. And uh, again, we see this over and over and over again in the space that people, they, 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 Change their habits. Even you know, people stop drinking, stop smoking, start working out, start eating better, start uh, starting families. Even like like I did. I, I I don't think that I would have started a family even <laughs> as young as I, I still am uh, if it weren't for Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane. And also, um, I think there's this aspect, but I don't think it's all of it. You know, like time preference is definitely important, and uh, lowering lowering your time preference and planning for the future more is in, insanely transformative and very important. But it also seems that the realization that this thing can't be stopped and thus is way bigger than you and will outlive you and is way bigger than all of us, it's, it's also something you you want to partake in, in the birth of something that is way bigger than all of us. And, and I think a lot of people experience that as well. A lot of Bitcoiners experience that as well. Once you... Kind of think you truly understand it. <laughs> you just can't stop talking about it, and you want to tell all your friends and your family, and you convince everyone to just get on a lifeboat and uh, just. You, you want to pass it on as well, and uh, yeah, I think the combination of those two things makes it. It, it really makes Bitcoin. Uh, driving force for change, and I think also for creative output, because one way to tell someone about it is just to write about it, to create art, to create songs, and and all kinds of creative output is generated in the name of Bitcoin just to convince other people as well and to, to um, satisfy the need to tell the world about it. Well said. And what do you think, uh,
4: you know, if you kind of look at consciousness as this kind of like chaotic soup of entropy of ideas and concepts and insights and perspectives and then creative output kind of bringing that out of your mind into some form of ordered form in the exterior world whether it be via writing or art or or whatever what do you think inspires that process and for you in particular what do you think inspired the particular forms of expression that that you've you've put out you know why you know as many people will know you've written books you've put together resources you've written articles you know you've done a, a lot of creative this type of creative output what do you think it is about your understanding of Bitcoin and, and, and kind of seeing the light as it were, or seeing the lines in the matrix to borrow the metaphor again, that inspired <laughs> that type of creative output versus anything else that you might you might uh, come up
5: with? That's a really good question. I, I'm afraid I, I won't have have an answer, but I think the question is as old as humanity itself. And I really like the idea that um, the ancient Greeks had about it and uh, um, just in, in general, how people of ancient times talked about different forces that are inside you and for creative output it it would be the muse how you are possessed by the muse and and it's it's not actually you're doing <laughs> it's it's kind of something else is speaking through you and you're just you're just you know Putting ink, ink on the paper. But uh, uh, it, it, it certainly feels like that for me and for, for my creative process. I can't tell you where all this stuff is coming from. <laughs> I've, I've just been immersed in, in Bitcoin for so long. And uh, I, I've, I like, especially in, in 2017 when, uh, when things got really interesting with the first contentious hard fork, I, I tried to soak up everything as best as I can and I I, I literally felt like a sponge that I I, if if I don't put something to paper, if I don't (laughs) squeeze anything out of myself, I I would just explode. And I I just yeah, I just try to I just try to um I, I try to to not explain Bitcoin in a technical way because I don't think that's the most interesting thing. I think um, you don't really need to understand other things, for example, an airplane or a car or the internet, uh, how exactly those things work is not as interesting as how they change society and um, the properties of it. Like the fact that nobody really can shut down the internet, for example, is way more important than how all the protocols that make up the internet work. And I, I think the same is true for Bitcoin. I think it's, it's way more interesting to think about what might happen if Bitcoin truly takes over. and mm-hmm. Also, the, the path to it, why, why it's not outrageous to think that Bitcoin will be the one true sound money in the next 20, 30, 50 years. Uh, I, I don't even think it will take that long, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> to be conservative, let's, let's pick 50 years. And I think um, yeah, it's, I, I just want to play a tiny little part in it to maybe make you know if. It <laughs> I, I I have no idea how many people read read my stuff. I don't do any tracking or anything like that. But even if, if it's like ten people that g- gain a deeper understanding because of my writing, then my job is done. I think you know uh, I can die a happy man.
4: <laughs> you know, one of the things that seems unique to me <clears throat> about artists and um, or creative types that I never really um, resonated with because I ha- you know I don't cons- I'm not a very in the, in the conventional sense, I don't consider myself a creative person, right? Um, but one of the things that always interested me was that how they kind of decided that some kind of creative pursuit was worthy of the time required to do it. And not just like that you have an idea and you say, okay, I'm going to take the hour, the day, the week, the month to put the output in or to to create the output, but to know that the idea that you want to express is unformed and you need to like, play with it and roll around with it and and you know massage it in order to to make it first kind of to understand what it is and then the process of expressing it as kind of a whole nother kettle of fish and you know in a in a time or in a a world in which we all have limited time um and as you reference you know kind of how bitcoin changes your your perception of time and and changes your time preference um, And also uh, influences, you know, how you like to save and accrue capital and stuff like that. It's interesting to me that so many in the space, in the Bitcoin space, have nevertheless determined that that creative process, devoting time and sometimes a substantial amount of time to expressing something that they feel they understand or is important to them about this thing is worth the sacrifice that, they're, they're, uh, that they have to make in order to do so. And by that, I mean like when you write your book or when I do podcasts or when people you know, do whatever they do in this space, that time could be used to probably in, in more economically efficient ways, right? You could be making money for that. But you've we've decided that this form of expression, our creative juices and our creative expression here is worth uh, devoting the time to. Uh, and I, I still haven't really wrapped my head around that. Do you have any insight into how you justify that decision-making in your mind? <laughs> Oh yeah,
5: I do. (laughs) (laughs) I figured you might. (laughs) Um, The way I see it, you know, I do all my set-based Bitcoin-based calculations with a hundred x in mind already. So if I whatever I do, I I might I might be able to earn fifty times as much as at a regular software development job, writing code that I'm not interested in, doing something that I'm that that just depletes my soul. If I can do something that nourishes my soul. And I just earn like $5 an hour and I get them paid in sets, then this is not $5 an hour, it's $500 an hour. (laughs) You just need to sit tight. (laughs) (laughs) And so, (laughs) what I'm trying to say is um, there is a large opportunity cost of doing something that depletes your soul. Like, if you just work at that end job, um, even if you make a lot of money off it, like, I think a lot of Bitcoiners also ask ask themselves, what, what do you? What do you really need to survive? And it's, I mean, there are a lot of means around it. You know, people stopping to go for for a haircut and just shaving their own head with the ultimate sud stacking machine, which is like a hair a razor. And <laughs> and and it all stems from um, from from the thinking. Why should I spend my sets now if they might be worth way more in the future? So you want to delay gratification and you want to delay consumption. And I think, I think the opportunity cost um, that comes with a fiat job is, is huge as well. You know, you, you might be stuck in, in your job for the next 10 years and you might use those next 10 years to pivot to something um, that helps Bitcoin flourish. And if you're a Bitcoiner, you know the, the line between between um, job and play, so to speak, it becomes really uh, yeah, <laughs> not well Steve defined, blurred. you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a really blurry line. I mean, I mean, with podcasters now, they, they uh, like yourself, you know, uh, you, you just couldn't stop thinking and couldn't stop talking about Bitcoin. So you started a podcast, and the next thing you know, it's your full time job. And uh, I mean, we, we saw that with Stefan, for example. Uh, we saw that with Brady, and I think we see this also with a lot of artists. You know, people that just like Brecky, for example, as well. He started creating Bitcoin art and. And he sold it for, for Bitcoin as well. And uh, I think it's very underappreciated that once you, have, um, once you have sound money that doesn't devalue in the future, you are actually able to exit the rat race, and do something that you really love, take on a higher risk. And the only, you only need to find something that lets you... Survive for a little bit, and if you can take like five percent of your profits uh, on the side and put it in Bitcoin, you'll be fine. And we don't have this in the in the dollar system. You're kind of forced in the fiat system to to yeah to just play the game, and uh, you're bound to the red race. And (laughs) it's also part of the game is just an insane amount of consumption. And I think Bitcoin offers one way to exit it as well. Mm.
4: in the writing process and you you, so you set out those times where you're just like i'm going to sit down and i'm going to try to put pen to paper and get it out do you just like create the framework maybe the chapter framework or the concept or idea and then just dump and worry about ordering the thoughts and all that kind of stuff later like what give me a little insight on on the writing because i'm sure a lot of people are getting the itch to say i want to express myself through words with this stuff but You know, writing is is sometimes really determining, we all have those insights, but getting them out on paper uh, in in an ordered uh, coherent fashion can sometimes be more easily said than done, you know?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, I'm. I'm not even sure if I'm. If I'm a great person to answer that, I don't. I still don't see myself as a writer. Like, I'm. I'm a programmer first and foremost. I'm, I see myself as an engineer and like uh, somewhat of a you just, just, just bragging slash <laughs> no, not at all. Like, 21 <laughs> lessons was pretty much the first thing I I ever wrote, and I'm not even a native speaker. So I, I'm. I'm surprised that people. Uh, liked it that much <laughs> but I see like I th- I think my, my programming background and uh, being somewhat structured actually helps so I definitely tr- uh, try to lay out beforehand what I want to say and basically condense before I even start writing the longer form condense it in like a paragraph or something that would be like a tweet storm or something or if you if you can if you can put what you're trying to write in the tweet you're already 50 percent there because just expanding it is really easy I think but condensing it down to the main points I think is is really hard <laughs> so doing that first really helps and I for example for 21 ways now I have a table of contents so I, I kind of it took me like a month to to write that but <laughs> I, I have I think I have an, a basic idea of what the 21 chapters will be about and I have like a list of bullet points what I want to hit and uh, this is already like 15 pages long. So uh, I'm kind of structured when it comes to that, and now I'm just doing my best to sit down and write. And luckily, uh, as long as I write for myself, I don't seem to suffer too much from writer's block. If I write, if I have to write something for someone else that uh, where I don't have like, um, yeah, the full um, creative permission to write what I want, then it's really hard for me. Uh, I, I suffer writer's block, like every sentence. <laughs> but if I can't just write what I want, then then it's kind of, I, I still feel like the sponge, you know, it, it just flows out of out of me if I squeeze hard enough and squeezing hard enough is just being disciplined and writing every day.
4: Yeah, well, don't don't try to control the muse, right? You got to let that thing free.
5: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true.
4: Uh, well, Gigi, uh, I love what you do, man. You know that. And um, I can't wait for output next year from you. I'm super happy that... Uh, you're working full-time, Bitcoin only, and uh, I couldn't be more grateful for the, the work that you put out. And I'm sure uh, many people listening share that sentiment. So thank you for all the work that you do. And thank, uh, thanks to 21ism for the great work that they're doing and putting this, this whole series together. It's uh, just another example of the amazing creativity and the amazing um, commitment that people have to this space. So uh, it's, uh, it's an honor to be a part of it all.
5: Absolutely. And I can only echo that. And I want to say thanks as well to you. I think your podcast is just unique in the space and I, I, I love listening to it. And also just thanks to all the artists and all the writers and everyone who is putting out content. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really like, yeah, I, I feel like such such a hack because I'm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm just standing on the shoulders of giants and just repeating what, for example, Pierre Richard and Bitstein wrote in like 2013, 2014. 14, so <laughs> that's that's how I feel like and and so everyone who just um, put out content and continues to do so um, and I'm eternally grateful that there are so many great Bitcoiners that invest so much time in it and just educate everyone for free it's, it's, it's insane it's, it's it's so cool to be a part of it so I'm eternally grateful for that
4: yeah I, I couldn't agree more with that alright brother until next time take care of yourself bye 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 bye
0: Gonna be tough. Come on. We
4: got the Bitcoin! They we don't. Don't. We got they don't. You understand?
1: Our featured designer is a multi-talented Bitcoiner. 21 is enough. He is featured for his lovely bit of product design, the Lightning Network ATM which you may have spotted on Twitter, but which we here at 21ism uh, don't think ever got enough attention. So I was really curious to finding out a bit more about the product as well as 21 is enough. Interviewing him is our very own Max from Bit by Bit and uh, let's go.
6: Welcome, at 21 is enough, you're joining me because of your amazing design and for anyone who hasn't already seen it, or anyone who doesn't know what you've been doing, can you just do a quick introduction for us, please?
7: Of course, yes, I am building a Bitcoin ATM, a Bitcoin Lightning ATM. So it uh, uses this layer two technology in Bitcoin that is called the Lightning Network. And it is basically a tabletop ATM where you insert a coin, 20 euro cent, 50 pence coin, and you get Bitcoin back within about 30 seconds. That's the process that you go through when you interact with my Bitcoin ATM
6: yeah it's great i mean uh, i've been having a look through what you've built there and it's absolutely blown my mind you know i said to you in our our previous conversation it is something that ties the real world to bitcoin and it's such an amazing thing for people coming into this space to see the power of this technology and it's fantastic what is it that inspired you to create this
7: i always thought it hard to find a conduit to Bitcoin in general for people who do maybe not have a technical background or even if you have a technical background, like understanding Bitcoin or interacting with Bitcoin is, is not easy. And I was just super excited early on about the Lightning Network. And when I finally had this idea, why don't we build an ATM that can accept coins, that can accept a, a two cent coin? and i can actually send a transaction over the internet that's its value it's it's literally only 2 cents and we can settle it between two peers that is something that uh inspired me to to build a machine like that
6: and obviously you can't be drawn to lightning without first learning about bitcoin what was it that drew you to bitcoin in the first place and you can say rapid price increase if you like
7: no it was it it had to do with price with price definitely so i like learned about mining in 2013 14 and built my own little mining rig at home with a bunch of uh, gpus and started mining dogecoin at the time so i didn't really learn about bitcoin in the first place i learned about dogecoin and didn't know what it was at the time yeah digital currency money internet sort of thing So I wasn't aware about all these phenomenal characteristics that make Bitcoin the best money we've ever had. And only over time, I I discovered what I was really dealing with. So it was for me the technical fascination of turning my power at home into money, basically increasing my parents' electricity bill and getting (laughs) getting, getting, getting Dogecoins into my wallet was the fascination.
6: <laughs> and they were i'm sure very happy with all the heat and all the noise and uh, and the electricity costs
7: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah they were happy I did, I did heat up the basement quite dramatically i must say
8: <laughs> yeah,
7: <laughs> yeah that's fun.
6: the classic isn't it is the bitcoiner in the basement <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah indeed, indeed and so with this bitcoin atm the lightning atm How did you go about the design with it? You know, this is why we've got you here. I think this design is just amazing. But how did you go about with the design? You know, obviously you've got an idea in your head of what you want it to do.
7: Where did you go from there? Yeah. So the the very first version was just an accident. I took it. I put it in a cardboard box. That was the very first iteration. I brought it to the first conference in a cardboard box, and people loved it. They were like, "Oh." Don't ever think about designing a case for this. It's just fine the way it is in a cardboard box. They really, yeah, they, they sort of felt like Bitcoin belongs into a cardboard box it, that's authentic, that's real, that's like a DIY. Um, but anyway, I, I did think back home that I had to look into other options. And eventually I learned from BDC Socialist from Ben about um, laser cutting he, uh, I think has his own laser cutter and he was sort of introducing me to this technology. And I did some research and eventually designed my own 3D case. And the very first idea was just, I just need a basically a box. So my first version was just that. It was a box, four walls, a top, a bottom, and just MDF, some acrylic sheets and put together. So it was not much of a design at the time. It was only just uh, an MDF acrylic box that I designed. And then it was actually at this um, laser place, the place where I lasered this first um, prototype, I learned about this possibility to actually bend MDF. So if you laser a particular pattern, you do... This in a certain area of your laser cut, you do this particular bend pattern, so to speak. You can then, after you're done with lasering, you can then bend the MDF into into a shape, like into a, like a radius. And that got me thinking. I was like, oh, that that is quite interesting. Oh, it ha- oh, there was also a practical aspect because often when I used the atm when I brought it to a place and we put it on a table, due to it just being a box. Um, about the size of a, of a shoebox, people often had to go down and look at the screen, right? They had to uh, sort of hunch down in order to get a good view onto the ATM. And I thought it would be nice if I could recline the front slightly and make it face towards the user so they could even use it standing up um, in front of a table. And then I started to experiment. I was like, yeah, "Let me try this bending thing." I found some uh, designs online as well, where I could look how they've done it. How much do I need to? How how much of that pattern do I need to do in order to get my bend to whatever? And I had I think about a, I think about um, 105 degrees that I needed to bend my ATM corners. And after a couple of tests, I settled with a particular pattern. And then I did, I made these two bends into the ATM that give it its, its shape that it has right now. And it looks, yeah, I'm rather, I'm rather pleased with the, with the final design. It's got a, it's got a nice uh, look to it. And it's super cheap. You can um, manufacture it for like, if you, if you were to do a couple dozen, you can get the cost down below 10 euros. If you're doing just one box, maybe about somewhere between fifteen and twenty euros, it, it is a very affordable way to produce um, a case for an ATM. Hmm, that's incredible.
6: Was it a experience that you enjoyed the design part?
7: Yes, yes, very much. I I had a lot of fun. I was another Bitcoiner, David Knezich from Switzerland, who um, built this uh, candy dispenser that many of you might have seen on Twitter as well, that you can buy some candies with um, over lightning as well from his um, candy dispenser. And he used to use this uh, software called Onshape. It is not open source, but it's free to use for non-commercial usage. you can sign up, create an account online and I've designed the whole case in my browser, but did not install any additional software on my computer. I've only just ever logged into my account on unshape.com and I've got all the tools necessary to draw, to sketch, to create shapes, to extrude, create holes, and yeah, the whole 3D designing process happens in browser and i did very much enjoy it yeah i had a it took me a moment to understand how the software exactly works how do i go about it in order to make it i also always was um was looking to export it from that software to then work with it in uh, in that laser place where they where they eventually cut my case but also to put it up on github share it with other people so i wanted to make it accessible to everyone also that the 3D files, they are accessible online as well on that um, Onshape platform. And the whole process of improving it, reclining it slightly more, putting, also digitally putting the whole ATM together. So I eventually, I had every single piece that was uh, eventually laser cut. I had it digitally and I could put it together and see if it fits. So I, there's like this intricacies of does it fit? Is there enough space? Does the Raspberry Pi fit into that corner and all these sort of things I could I could figure it out online and see if it all works out and I had never any issues so in terms of space and the, the whole design internally it just worked out fine the way the way I designed it online and it was a was a nice process I liked it very much yeah
6: it's a complicated process I've been looking through how you built this thing and I can I can only imagine this has taken you an enormous amount of time where do you find this time
7: Yes, that is true. Um, I did decide by mid 2019 to dedicate just basically all of my time. I didn't, I didn't take on any new projects. At the time I was working as a contractor in the uh, data center business and I decided to take some time off and work on my own ideas, on my own projects. And that's what I did then. So I, I was, at a bunch of conferences and eventually decided that i wanted to build this lightning atm and then from then on i just worked on that project so i I didn't have a day job that i needed to take care of i was just yeah i had basically however many hours uh, i was awake a day I had to um, and could dedicate to to this atm project wow
6: you've turned down your normal work you've put in all your waking hours into building this thing and then you've open sourced it so that anyone can build it themselves and you built a case for it which again is open source and anyone can build themselves you're not selling it right why yes. are you doing this and why do you care so much about bitcoin and this project there must be a
7: deeper reason i feel <laughs> yeah yeah true um I mean, Bitcoin is definitely, I would say, it's probably the most important thing that I've ever discovered in my life. It's given me so much over the years. I've learned so much. I've got to meet so many amazing people in this space. I got so many friends. Almost all my life evolves around Bitcoin these days. And it's just such a brilliant and and fascinating technology that opens up so many doors still, like after all these years, it is still hard to keep track and follow all the recent developments. It's just such a big passion of mine that I feel like other people need to feel this as well. So I'm, I'm trying to not only have my own project, have something that I can sort of maintain and be proud of that I've got my own little thing in this space, but also just providing a means for other people to better understand what Bitcoin is, make it more tangible, get them their first experience in Bitcoin. That is sort of what what drives me, and what what um, and I do believe that like I probably, and I can see that also with my with my friends that are not in Bitcoin or that don't really know about open source in general, or in particular, my grandparents or, or other relatives who. Are like questioning, or they're they're like asking me why why do you all this and then put it up online for free? You should have you should have a <laughs> patent. You should market this. You should like make a company or something. And this whole open source ethos, where um, the whole point is to put it up online for everybody to see, for people to join, to work on, to improve. I would have never gotten the engagement that I've got. If it wasn't free for everybody to copy and to build their own versions of, because it would have been behind closed doors, not accessible or only for, for payment. And I think I would not have gotten as much engagement as I had or as I have if it would have been closed doors. So it's just sort of interacting with the community Providing something and and helping people to understand this uh, this lovely and fascinating technology that is that is really what drives me.
6: No, that's really beautiful, and it just goes to show that this is more than just number go up technology. This is something that people clearly care deeply about, and I, I love hearing stories like that. It um, it's what makes Bitcoin Bitcoin for me. So Indeed. thank you for doing it. it. It's amazing. I love what you've done. Could.
9: Hmm. And
6: what does Bitcoin success mean to you?
7: Oh, Bitcoin's already super successful. Bitcoin has been a brilliant store of value over the past ten years. It does not need to be accepted in every shop uh, in my street. I don't think that is what success means. Success means to me the protocol not breaking not discovering any flaws or bugs in the software that would render it useless, any inflation, bugs, or, or cryptographic primitives breaking. I think it is successful as it is, as a censorship chip resistance store of value that no one can take from me and that I can use in a, in a uh, self-sovereign way.
6: Hmm. And do you have any fears? Do you have any worries of something that could potentially
7: destroy Bitcoin? Not much. At this point, not much. I do think if governments eventually come to their senses and this whole issue of a small group of people having the monopoly over how much money there is and basically controlling, trying to manipulate the free market of money, if they come to their senses and, and sort it out, then that's probably the biggest risk for Bitcoin success. Although at that point, we wouldn't need it anymore, right? If the money market would be free and open, oh, maybe there are some other issues like uh, censorship or permissionless usage or, or access for everybody. There's a lot of other problems that I think Bitcoin solves, but if governments or uh national banks would get their s- shit together then that could be probably uh, probably the biggest threat to bitcoin mm-hmm.
6: and if you are stuck in an elevator for 1 minute with a no-coiner can you give me your best elevator pitch
0: <laughs> and they
6: can't
7: get out <laughs> <laughs> so i'd obviously have my pocket atm with me which is um yeah just this pocket-sized atm so i'd bring my pocket atm out and i'd ask the person if he wanted to try and buy some bitcoin for just 20 euro cents worth of bitcoin with a coin i'd install a wallet on their phone it can probably almost all happen in one minute download install a wallet on their android or ios phone and then i make them buy bitcoin with a 20 cent coin in that one minute and demonstrate to them how easy and how quick it is
6: all right well i think that brings us to 20 questions like i said to you before i don't actually have 21 questions so (laughs) i don't know let's get one more in what's your policy on chairs are they high time preference sorry my
7: policy on on what
6: What's your policy on chairs? Are they high time preference or, or should we be allowed to sit on chairs?
7: Oh, chairs, chairs. Okay. chairs. We should be allowed to sh- sit on chairs. Yes. Yes. But um, <laughs> Bitcoin is a game of uh, musical chairs, right? Is that, that's the game, right? Mm. That's what it's called. So eventually there will be no more chairs, right? That's what Bitcoin is about. There is only 21 million chairs. And, We will eventually run out of chairs to sit on. So yeah, you better make up your mind now.
6: Stacking chairs. Yes, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, awesome. Well, it's been amazing talking to you. I love what you've built. The fact that you've dropped all of your other work to focus on something like this is just amazing. And um, thank you for what you've done. It's brilliant. I will be trying to build one myself. I will very likely be blowing up the Telegram channels with issues because I'm not very capable, but I'm going to give it a damn good go. Anyone who wants to reach out or see what you've done, can you just do a quick 30-second shill of where they can find you?
7: absolutely yes you can go on twitter at 21 is enough that's my handle you'll find the github repo there follow me ask questions on twitter on github you will find the link to the documentation website of the atm it's fairly simple for anybody to build and if you are stuck then just join the telegram group that's also linked on that documentation website Join that group and ask questions. We'll help you out and get your ATM set up and running. Perfect.
6: Thank you very much for joining me and everything that you're doing. It's been an absolute pleasure.
7: Thanks very much. It was a great pleasure to, yes, thanks for having me. We here, 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 we here. Where you at? We here, we here, we
1: here. Where you at? We here, we here, we here. Good news, skies clear, grass still green. Here to clean air, rockin' chairs, recycled toys, peace and. They're here, guys. They are here. Our music feature, Time
0: Machine.
1: If you don't know Time Machine. I think there's a good chance that you might know one of their founding members uh, in the band known as Chumel, but on Bitcoin Twitter known as I Am The Character. We talk music, creativity and of course that famous speech that I Am The Character delivered at a BLM rally in Los Angeles in Spring sometime. I apologise for my slightly shitty uh, sound quality, but um, yeah, I hope you can enjoy it. Hello Time Machine, hello uh, Chomel, aka Eric, aka I'm the Character. Um, I was very, very happy to find your music, it's been on uh, A-list rotation around the house here since I came across it. Really incredible work. Uh, how did you guys find each other and uh, how, uh, how long have you been banging out tunes?
10: uh well thank you for having me on uh as the 21 ism project yeah um glad to uh be a part of the coalesce uh, the formation of uh artists in bitcoin because there's our, there's a bunch of artists uh in bitcoin um that are doing great work so uh, it's great to have a hub where we can see it um but as far as time machine goes uh we were college buddies um I look pretty young but I'm actually a lot older than I look. So uh, we were just college buddies and my friend Jay played me his demo tape. Uh, and I always appreciated his music. And then, you know, off and on one day I just said this random verse I wrote and it was, it was Jay's idea for us to be a group. Uh, I actually had no intentions to do music, but um, you know, Jay was full fledged into it. And then he was like, this could actually be something that works. And he started tossing me these song ideas And lo and behold, I could, I realized I could actually write, you know, write rhymes. And it just, it kind of just worked. It was just one of those things where it's just chemistry. Like you can't, you can't make that portion of it up. It's just the chemistry was just so good between us. Like we never had any egos. Like we took each other's criticism, you know, and everyone had a role that, Suited them perfectly, and so mm. I think you can hear it in the music of like three guys who genuinely get along and respect each other artistically and enjoy each other artistically
1: one hundred percent I mean that, that's one of the things that really comes across to me was just the the, the sort of pure enjoyment uh, of the creative process. I mean, it, it it comes across. It's it's fun and it's cheeky and it's deep. Uh, you know, it's uh, all the sort of good things that that music should be. But to me, your albums they hark back to a sort of epoch of hip hop that was that that I personally have been missing for, for for too many years, you know one of lyrical profoundness and musicianship and diverse influences, you know both in terms of cultural ones but but musical ones as well um has it been a deliberate choice to kind of music musically distance yourself from 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 the sort of musical fiat elements that there are in the industry, or
10: has it just it sounds like it was more innate? Right. If you, um, if you go through our catalog... So, I mean, we, we came up during the 90s era of hip-hop. Uh, those were our influences. And if you go through our catalog, even our, our earliest, our first work, uh, Slow Your Roll, which is uh, our, still our fan's favorite work, um, it's just a, a product of us being of the time period that we're in. And then as we, as we grew into adults uh, it just didn't make sense to, um, change. It's like, we kind of, with that, with the album, you, you guys are, are, uh, you know, having on your site, that album to us was the realization that this is the music we actually make. This is who we are. This is what we're actually good at. And there's no reason to change what, you know, there's no reason to change that. Like this is, when you hear when you hear time machine, this is time machine. Like, is your DNA? Yeah. So it doesn't. We we wouldn't make anything else, and if we did, it probably wouldn't sound that great. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, well, it, it it definitely sounds. Um, it has integrity. Um, so the creative process. How do you guys divide that? You're talking about writing rhymes yourself. Is is there one person who is predominantly track? And the others are, are hooks and lyrics or do you all sort of combine and weigh in on, on, on
10: the different elements? Uh, it was pretty, it was, every, everyone had their, their place. So we had DJ McAleck, who was our DJ and our producer. He was also our engineer. So he would also mix and record us. Uh, so he was really like the backbone of the group, you know, like, and then you had me and Jay, who were, uh, we were the lyricists. And we were, uh, you know, so opposite of each other that it, it worked where we were so opposite. We had the same style, but like on the opposite, mm-hmm. almost on the opposite spectrum. So when we wrote songs, they were the same songs, but we just like Jay was, J is extreme and really practical and I'm really idealistic. And so you had these two ideas with the, the DJ who was completely in the middle, who always understood what we were both trying to convey. And so it would all just coalesce and, um, you know, everyone like when we needed to get over any humps, it was always DJ Mekalek who would like be up till four a.m. making sure the album was ready. And, and then it, it was, um, you know, Jay who just had the the practical and the know how to like navigate the music industry, you know. And you know, myself, it was always understanding like, you know, what the group needed emotionally to uh, just ha- what we all needed from each other and like how to be. Um, um The emotional group that su- that supported us, and you know, um, just made sure that we were in a place, you know, to to make good music.
0: Good
10: friends to the end,
0: admiration. Recognized for your talents, all of them. Got a plan and it's working good for once. Inspired by the wants of seeing the sun. Rocking, pine babies, poor old ladies. Bullets acting crazy. Be still stinging, haze blocked the meaning. Bad air breathing. The season started with your symphony. To jackpot way up two million three. Bought a ticket, why not get one for me? Whoever get it, yo, we split it to fantasy. That's nice enough to make the mirrors look back at me. Strike us down lightning, wouldn't that be exciting? To be the source of the boom of the clouds fighting Better chance of the rain, I switch roll with the silver lining Better chance of an author getting recognized for writing Took opinion and wished it, that we would be prolific Compose the greatest symphony, your that's terrific Capture the mood of the Atlantic and the Pacific On stage getting applauded, shouting, bowing, yo, we did it We still touch whatever, enemy of good better You're taking on your gon' split that shit for real, remember The God to the good life, for my five members They hit, I never, I never, I never I made a plan to be less planned because I was
1: I'm the character. You are a known bitcoiner um, in the space. Um, has the rabbit hole swallowed all three of you up by now or are you the uh, the only sort
10: of card carrying Bitcoiner? Yeah, I'm the only one. I, I've tried. I tried to get. Uh, I tried to get them in at 3K. I remember Bitcoin was at 3K. I tried to get. I've been trying to get everyone, and um, so it, I'm the only one holding the torch. But recently, I talked to uh, DJ Mack and he listened to the speech I gave, and he said something important to me about the speech. He goes, "I really enjoyed your speech, but I still can't put together." how bitcoin fits into it all and so i explained to him about the federal reserve and how money printing actually works and how you can't do that with bitcoin and how the closer you are to the money the more likely you are to be wealthy and once we had that conversation he was like oh i i finally i finally get it i see um i get how what you're saying and how Bitcoin is related now. And so it just dawned on me that there's this educational element that I think is the most important element to onboarding. Mm-hmm. Hold on for a second. There's a, a buzz in the back. I'm gonna close my door because he might be picking it up. Sure.
0: That means there was room to get better. Got it all out my head and wrote it down in a letter. I put it in a bottle. I threw it in the ocean. What I wouldn't give for a sip that magic potion No a genie to come along and see me. I might have happened once, but y'all wouldn't believe me.
10: All right, sign up there. I don't
1: know oh, where it's. But yes, it's the. um the why Bitcoin is the more important question than the how, I think, to, to, to onboard people, isn't it? And, and it's also the question that it takes a little bit longer to actually fully comprehend, I think. But uh, hopefully, with this backdrop that we're seeing now, the madness of everything, it becomes a little easier to kind of make
10: people willing to, to put in, put in the yards. Right, yeah, there's just um I think people are understanding something isn't right. Um and they're looking for some sense of uh, security. Um but at the same time the the you know, Bitcoin is such a paradigm shift in thinking. And you know, here in the US we don't get any education whatsoever about how money works or even like what is money like you can go through high school and even college and not ever come across any real analysis of what is money yep
1: it's true so you are obviously well known in the bitcoin space um, well particularly in the last six months for your uh, rousing speech at, uh, at a blm uh, rally Um, How long did it take you to get to this realisation yourself of
10: of the message that you were delivering? All the pieces came together after the George Floyd murder. I had the pieces of it separate in my mind. And when I saw the unrest, when I saw that we passed the point of no return i had i had to come up with a plan to well where are we going and how do we get there and i felt that i needed to come up with a solution as to how that happens and i needed to if I could lead anyone who understood what I was saying, um, on that journey and on that path, I always knew Bitcoin was a tool for liberation. Um, great. So now it was the world, everything's falling apart. Um, how do we come back together? So, um, that's when the volunteering came into play. I've read, there's this book called uh, The End of Work by Jeremy Rifkin. And the last, the the fifth section of it talks about uh, the third sector. And he goes into the third sector, really the third sector being um, volunteering. And uh, Jeremy Rifkin's uh, thesis was, with all the automation that's coming, what are we going to do with all this free time? and we have two paths where you can have green zones and and red zones where things are chaotic or we can come together and start building this community
1: um is there a temptation now to kind of combine it with some sort of musical form like when you're next writing bars for example are you are you tempted to kind of work it into um your verses in in any sort of way?
10: No, not really. Um, it's weird. Like some, I feel like if I, like if I do it, it comes off as like cheeky and not not serious. Um, but I did. I was fortunate enough to do the um, to work with a uh, DJ Skrilla,
6: some money,
10: uh, a music project where every song is about Bitcoin. And I was invited on that. So I did do a direct song about Bitcoin. But again, the song was like more of a, of a joke.
1: Not in generations has Wall Street absorbed the number of body blows it took today.
4: The world has gone mad and the system it's broken. So
1: the American financial system is rocked to its foundation and as top Wall Street institutions topple under a mountain of debt. Bailed out by taxpayers. It's
5: pretty clear they cannot be money from government. He said,
9: your problem is that you're trying to understand this as an economic story.
4: Um, once you look at it as a crime story. You'll
1: get it i've really dug it um i know um citadel 21 they featured uh one or two uh one or two pieces there um and it was hot man i loved it
10: yeah so i was awesome. fortunate enough he reached out to me um for sound money and uh it was a fun it was fun to do it was fun to do um so i don't know if you but i feel like it's it's weird for me to like the line of like oh like this is a cool song and oh but this is like cheeky but so you know but I don't know I was I was thankful he invited me to do that yeah definitely
1: so um where do you find your um sort of inspiration for for um your your rabbit hole exploits
10: uh, I feel like I feel like my approach to life as in general is to just squeeze the best bits out of it And so if I see a creative endeavor and I think that like I can benefit from it and others can too, then I I really, I really go for it. Um, For instance, I'm working on a documentary about a DJ and the guy is just so unique, you know, like this documentary is going to kill me. Like it's killing me now. I have so much footage, but this guy is so unique and the story is so unique. uh, You know, I'm compelled to do it. Multimodal- the, the things I like to do the things I like
0: to do the things that's good for you the things that's good for you who we you who you you say who you you say who you you the things I like to do the things I like to do the things that's good for you the things that's good for you Like it till I get the spins and step into these women, even if they were they men's I'm betting on the team
1: that doesn't have so many wins. What time I went skydiving And what uh new projects do you have in the pipeline? Are you guys working on any more material?
10: Uh not at the moment. Um we're just letting that album uh take care of itself. Uh I'm working on a documentary right now, and then I'm also just trying to get Uh, the Bitcoin volunteer vote uh, initiative um, off the ground at the moment. So it's pretty hard to volunteer in a time of COVID. Um, So we're just going to focus on, you know, getting the website up and then we're trying to build an incentive structure for that, where you can redeem your volunteer hours for actual items. So there's nothing for the only, the only way to buy something is with your volunteer hours. And that way, yeah, you get some incentive to, you know, if you volunteer. It's not only did you help your community, but you can get something from the Bitcoin Volunteer Boat store.
1: You, you mentioned COVID. I mean, lots of my friends and musicians, gigging and musicians, and uh, a lot of their work I see. Is that,
10: how are you guys finding it? No, um, so that album came out two years ago, and that album for us was more of an album to bookend our catalogue. Uh we had two previous albums before that. The first album was Slow Your Roll. The third album was Life is Expensive. Um the music industry was really changing around that time. Uh and so the group split up. But we always wanted to just make a third album. Uh like mainly for our friends and, and for ourselves. Uh because, you know, we, we worked so we just worked so well together. Like it just it's so easy for us to you know not as you know some of the songwriting is hard but it's just as a group to like sit down and work together like working together is so easy and we enjoy it we enjoyed working together and we was like hey guys let's have for now let's just have one more go at this you know um we were all in a space and time where we could do it and so that was the process and it was just cool like spending the summer with like your friends and working on music. And, you know, that was, that's what it was all about. And we, we definitely felt we deserved as a group, as, as a, as a collective of artists, you know, we, we, we owed it to uh, ourselves to just give us and our fans, you know, um, this project. So it wasn't really about touring it. this one particularly. It wasn't about not even really like, you know, selling a ton of records, but it was just like, Hey, Hey, thank, thank, This is like the thank you record, you know. So, well,
1: mm-hmm. oh, man, and what a thank you it is! It's, um, yeah, man. As I said, I've absolutely uh, loved it, and um, but me and my wife and my boy, we've been uh, we've been uh, having a cheeky jig to it every time I put it on. So, um, and I'm definitely getting my hands on um, on on um, on some vinyl when it's when it's up on the site, but really glad you came on really appreciate what you guys are doing and uh my head is still nodding thank you very much for uh, appearing on 21ism
10: yeah thank you guys for having us on 21ism and uh keep up the uh there's so many there's so many great artists in bitcoin so it's cool to be uh a feature on it as well i'm looking forward to seeing who else you guys dig up that i might not be aware
1: of cheers man
0: Visit another country How lucky Smoking baguettes Spending colour funny money Surfing with the sharks Eating sea conks Snorkelling in the coral with little Nemo sharks.
1: I'm sure you have all admired his Incredible art on Bitcoin Twitter already In fact, uh, quite a few will probably own one of his pieces Our art feature is no other than Cypherpunk Now Interviewing him is our very own Max Bit by Bit. Sadly, the audio on Cypherpunk Now side is not the greatest.
0: Leem in the ice cube, put it in the iced tea. Eat all the vegetables, cause you said I get it icy. You had me at cock killer, and WA booker. Two scoops of sugar, I'm sugar. Symptom bliss, and the lemon twist, my kiss. You had me at all of
6: this. Welcome to the show, Cypherpunk Now. I've been admiring your work over the last couple of days, really having a dig through, and I absolutely love it. How did you get into this space? And for anyone who hasn't already seen your work, just give us a little bit of a background,
4: please.
11: Okay, uh, I'm doing... uh... I've been doing uh, graphic design for like uh, years, I mean like for 20 years, uh, freelance graphic design. And uh, also I'm a member of uh, Art Crew uh, Stohoven, which uh, made some public space uh, art happenings uh, in last two decades. And... Uh, one of our projects is uh, Parallel Polis, which is black building in Prague, Holešovice, which is uh, focusing on uh, crypto anarchy and digital freedom. And I'm co-founder of this project, and I did uh, graphic design for this project from 2014. And uh, so that's why I get into crypto, Bitcoin, and uh, cypherpunk.
6: Okay, so you found Bitcoin through doing this other project, or did you already know about it, or were you already learning about it?
11: Uh, I first uh, crossed Bitcoin in two thousand twelve, and uh, I didn't uh, I, like. I didn't care. So uh, on some other <laughs> project, uh, of Stoven art group and uh, yeah, it. Uh, looks like a geek uh, thing for me and uh, I didn't uh, uh, there was this uh, physical coin which I don't uh, remember the name now but uh,
6: Is it like Casatius coin or something uh, like that they're
11: called? Oh so, yes uh, so. yeah and uh, yeah it was kind of the token for me in th- those days and then later <laughs> in 2014 when we started uh, parapolis we started with the uh, with. Uh, uh s- with our great members from Slovakia which already run uh, hackerspace there so uh they had the uh, knowledge and we built uh, this project uh, is yeah this parallel police po- project is uh, is taking only the crypto i mean only bitcoin there is no uh, fiat uh, currency and in, in this uh in this building so in like uh yeah that, that's like it is. <laughs>
6: That's brilliant. That sounds like an amazing project. And that then led you on to, I guess, learn more about Bitcoin. And is that, is that what's inspired you to work on what you're working on now and create the art that you're creating now? Because to me, when I look at this, I just think that what you're creating is an amazing snapshot of the space that we're seeing. And everything that we're seeing within Bitcoin, you're creating with, within these really powerful images.
11: Uh, yeah, you know what? It, it all became just like uh, like I didn't even see it. It was a very slow process when I was uh, doing like face of parallel police. I mean, graphic face and graphic like um, identity. I did some artworks uh, which were connected to the Cypherpunk and those themes and uh, and. Those days I uh, get this equipment for screen printing and so I tried, but uh, I just uh, spent Bitcoin for coffee and uh, I didn't care about this project in any meaning of like doing it for uh, like uh, 100% like I'm doing now. It took me like uh, like three years till 2017 when I uh, realized uh, that the people like to buy this uh, uh, this artwork and since that it takes me another years then uh, then I get uh, 100% to this project which I'm doing like last one year
6: and so was there a time you know you said before that when you first looked at bitcoin when you first heard about it in 2012 you were thinking, ah, oh, this, is, this is not something I'm interested in. And I think that's the same for a lot of people. They think, oh, you know, this is uh, geek money or uh, magical internet money, and it's not of interest. But what was it that changed your mind? What was it that made you interested in this space?
11: Yeah, I remember that it was 2017 spring. It was uh, when it goes from 1,000 to 2,000 uh it was uh yeah, but uh I already uh learned that uh I'm spending bitcoin those uh years from two thousand fourteen to two thousand seventeen, so it was. Uh, somehow I, uh, I'm still spending Bitcoin. I'm earning Bitcoin and spending. I see some of my customers never uh, spend any uh, of Bitcoin they have and they pay with fiat. Some of my customers don't even have any Bitcoin, but uh, they like it like uh, like the visually. But uh, for me, Bitcoin is just I'm using it. I'm not uh, only hodling because uh, I think it should be used. So this moment when it uh, goes for for speculative thinking, I remember this uh, moment, but it's still not important for me. For me, it's important that we have this possibility to use this payment option, which has uh, nothing to do with state.
6: How do you get the inspiration for these screen prints?
11: first i have the feeling that uh, it's kind of the last underground which happening on planet earth like uh, it's still uh, hidden but it's going to be mainstream one day and uh, it inspires me for first works but uh, now i'm uh, inspired uh, by me- memes by memes because uh, it's uh, inspiring to watch the seen on Twitter and uh, kind of uh, be inspired by what's happened there.
6: (laughs) Yeah, I saw one of your paintings that you have. It was a really nice concept. So you had 21 copies, 21 pieces, and one you had reserved for Satoshi and then one is for sale. Uh, yeah, and I, th- I think it was number twenty-one of twenty-one is for sale. That's for six point one five Bitcoin. Yeah, I assume this is because of American Hoddle.
11: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It was like uh, I was thinking uh, for how much uh, to sell it, and uh, I decide to make it unsellable. Uh, so uh, it's waiting, or for uh, some crazy whale, or. It's gonna stay in my archive and, <laughs> and cover for the Citadel Twenty One magazine. It's uh, it's showing uh, some major figures uh, from Bitcoin underground. Let's say Twitter underground, Twitter underground.
6: Yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing place, Bitcoin Twitter. I spend a lot of time lurking there myself, and some of these memes and things that just happen organically is uh, is a lot of
4: fun.
11: Yeah, yeah. I was never thinking to be uh, active in any social media, but uh, I found Twitter is uh, quite quite nice <laughs> for for presentation in few sentences. It's uh, always uh, possible.
6: Yeah, and I, I like what you said there about this being potentially the last underground movement on the planet Earth. And I, I have to agree with you. I think that with everything becoming more and more politically correct and polished and normalized. And sometimes I look out at the world and I think, God, it's got a bit fucking boring, hasn't it? And then I found Bitcoin and uh, it seems it's like the last place that you can say what you want to say, do what you want to do, and you can be a bit crazy and a bit weird and have some different ideas, but people are receptive to it and it's just a lot of fun. Is this something that you found has spurred you on to create more art and, and, and give you a new direction with things?
11: Oh, well, yeah. Uh, I'm thinking about it because I found a lot of inspiration in Polis project and the people who uh, I met there. And I found a lot of inspiration last year when I started to, uh, to travel with my art and uh, before uh, covid it all looks uh, so great and <laughs> yeah i've uh, met many people who were uh, who were absolutely uh, i mean would i mean i mean sorry <laughs> i met many nice people when i was traveling with my art uh, last year and yeah that was inspiring this uh, was happened now it's uh, i feel uh, it's just taking time and uh, nothing happened so i'm just waiting I need to travel with it again.
6: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And when you were traveling, did you get to a lot of the Bitcoin
11: meetups? Oh, I actually started, uh, you know what, I was showing my posters at Paralpolis, like from beginning and I didn't even care about uh, what people think about it. And uh, last year I decided to stop to do the freelance graphic uh, designing because I was tired from starting again and again new jobs and uh, you know what it was it was not what uh, I feel I want to do so I was first in, at the Baltic honey badger uh, which was absolutely a great experience I didn't know this uh, Bitcoin maximalism my that was first time I met these uh, people there <laughs> in fact uh, uh, because before it parapolis, Uh, We were working also with Litecoin and uh, Monero, and uh, this is like an open platform, so there are people working with Ethereum, and it's like all the crypto uh, scene there. But yeah, I got infected with Bitcoin maximalism last year, and since this time, I'm deeper and deeper in in this and found myself doing graphic design for Citadel 21 printed version uh, last two months. And this is like, it's exciting work.
6: And now you're deep down the maximalist rabbit hole. <laughs>
11: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but also I'm watching the NFT art market and uh, what's going on there, and this is also absolutely incredible. But it's on Ethereum, which uh, I can't trust. But uh, this uh, is huge.
6: This is this super rare thing, isn't it, on Ethereum? Yes. Yeah, and
11: many others.
6: I, uh, I had a friend reach out to me today, actually, about this, talking about it, and, and my answer was like, well, I'm not really interested in Ethereum, but the idea behind NFTs, uh, working with NFTs with art, maybe it's something that we can do with Bitcoin down the line. I'm sure there's a way that it can work.
11: Some people are trying, but it uh, seems not to be that easy.
6: What does Bitcoin success mean to you?
11: Oh yeah, I would say hyper-Bitcoinization, but uh, success is what uh, already happened. It, uh, it's uh, amazing where it is now and where it was in uh, 2014. I didn't work with Bitcoin before, but uh, in 2014 there was like uh, no one knows about it. So now it's uh, it's already made a success. and. Uh, I think it's going to be bigger. I mean, I'm pretty sure about it, but that's the hope. <laughs>
6: <laughs> I think it's reasonable to think that. I think that there's no real arguing that this is the best money that we've ever had and there's no arguing that it can bring more freedom. So I can't see a world where more people don't want to use this and don't want to hold this. So I don't think it's a dream. I think that this is something very real and it's just going to take time for more and more people to want to use it. Yeah, definitely. If you could only choose one item, your favorite item from your studio, what would it be?
11: Uh, yeah, it's somehow uh, I'm, I'm working very analog uh, way in this digital uh, digital world and uh, yeah it's like uh, my pens, which are kind of brushes it's uh, it's all I need but then scanner and then screen printing studio and everything it's like uh, yeah I have all this equipment which, uh, which allows me to create and uh, make it all the process by myself.
6: And do you have any other favorite artists in the space? I've seen you've done collaboration recently with uh, Bitco. Do you have any other favorite artists in this
12: space?
11: Well, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'm watching like all the scene and uh, it makes like great uh, step from like uh, last year. This time it's like much, much bigger And yeah, I met this Max Osiris in LA art show and uh, I like his uh, approach to art and uh, his attitude. But uh, this is like this NFT scene, but uh, there are some people who makes uh, really good art.
6: It's amazing to watch. And like you say, compared to a year ago, it's uh, it's completely different.
11: Absolutely. It's like uh, a whole new market for collectors artists worldwide it's so it's it's cool
6: yeah is there anything else coming up anything that you're working on outside of these nfts and um i've seen that you've you've got some clothing for sale is there anything down the pipeline that you're working on at the moment or maybe you can't tell us
11: Oh yeah, well, I'm just uh, printing uh, new visual, yeah, new collage, and also also working on Citadel uh, magazine. This is like two projects. I mean, I'm still working on my prints, and uh, yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> I get lost in, <laughs> in answer. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah.
6: No, that's great. I was looking through your website earlier, and it looks like you've got free worldwide shipping. And I was wondering, is this something where you're selling artwork to mainly specific countries? Or have you had artwork sent all over the world at this point?
11: Uh, I'm sending all, all, all over the world, but uh, mainly U.S., but uh, also New Zealand and South Africa and, uh, and Japan and everywhere. And I was uh, using the regular mail services, but uh, since COVID, it takes uh, four months uh, to deliver to U.S. and also can some all, some shipments get lost. So I start uh, to pay with UPS, and uh, so uh, <laughs> I made the posters a little bit uh, more expensive, but uh, I'm uh, doing free delivery.
6: It's good to know they're getting there. It's, uh, It's a shame for that beautiful artwork to go missing. Yeah. All right, perfect. That takes me to the end of my questions there really, but I'd also like to just give you a minute to tell us where people can find you where can they find your art, and if if you'd want to hear from anyone for collaborations or anything like that?
11: Oh, yeah, well, uh, yes, my art is on uh, my website, uh, which is uh, cypherpunk.com. And, uh, yeah, there is my history in this uh, Bitcoin art field. Uh, and uh, also on Twitter, I'm like uh, I escaped from well, Facebook, and now I'm on Twitter under the Cypherpunk now account. <laughs> Cypherpunk
6: now. And uh, you're uh, you're just at at Cypherpunk now for anyone listening. At Cypherpunk now for Twitter. Okay, brilliant. Well. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. And as I've said before, I, I love your art. It's beautiful. It's amazing to have you spreading the message and, and creating this high quality work. And it's why we've chosen you for 21ism, artist that we just absolutely fell in love with from, from the second we saw it. So thanks for producing this amazing work and long may it continue.
11: Thank you. Thank you for uh, cooperation.
0: artificial
5: gold. So I regard the whole business as
4: antisocial, stupid, immoral.
0: Suppose you can make a lot of monkey trading freshly harvested baby brands. Would you do it or would you say that's
5: immoral? To me, Bitcoin is almost as bad.
4: It's not having any desirable social purpose. has a, a combination of dementia and immorality and I think the people that are pushing it are a, a, a disgrace.
1: Featuring in our video category is the very talented Richard James. You will have seen his movies, Hard Money, The Cantillon Effect, and A Tribute to the Pish Bull, all over Twitter. Uh, incredible pieces of work. And, uh, yeah, I love his style of the old 50s cartoons uh, mixed with uh, some really, really insightful kind of, uh, yeah, hard-hitting stuff. Interviewing him is everyone's favourite podcaster, Lauren, and her sidekick, our very good friend Daniel Prince.
12: Hey guys, this is um Daniel and Lauren sitting in for Twenty uh, One Ism today and um, hosting Richard James, the uh, the filmmaker, made the film um, among other films, but uh, the the one most interested uh, the Bitcoin community, Hard Money. Richard, um, hey, welcome and uh, thanks for spending the time.
9: Hi Daniel, thanks very much for having me. Hi Lauren, and glad to be here.
0: Hi.
12: So, Lauren, do you want to ask Richard the first question about the film he made?
0: Uh, how many people helped you with the movie? Like, went in, yeah, like, helped you with the movie?
9: Uh, that's a good question. Actually, it, it was, it, it's, it's sort of got two answers. Like, just myself is kind of the short answer, but the longer answer is countless people within the, the Bitcoin community. Because I made the film whilst, well, we were sort of locked down when we're still locked down with this uh, virus. But all you know, most films you would be travelling around, meeting people, trying to collect material. Um, whereas for this one, I just made a point that I, w- I wanted it to be something I could do on my own from my desk, I wouldn't have to leave home. And so I just collected as much material as I could that was already available. So it, it's... Um, I kind of pieced together a story using different podcasts and interviews and lectures about Bitcoin and about money that I found on the internet and then the i I pieced that together with some music and um, and some videos that i found uh, as, you know, all that just come comes from uh, from what I found online so it 's a bit of a, a collage of all sorts of things I think that really at, at the bottom of it all, all you 're trying to do is is tell a story and I think the the reason that works is that you know, when we learn things it's not just absorbing the, the content of the information. It's like our emotions and the way we, we react to things and that, that helps us learn. And so, um, certainly for me, that's how it works. And so I sort of tried to piece this story together and I think for me, like I, I worked hard on it and, and fiddled around with it and then you sort of get this feeling sometimes when um, it's, it's like an emotion. You can't quite describe it in words and I guess that's obvious because if you could, then you wouldn't need the the video or the music or the sound effects or anything. But it's like you get this feeling and the the sort of little hairs on your arm or on your neck stand up. And it's like this emo- this emotional reaction. Um, and when I, I watch back on what I'm doing and I get that feeling, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of onto, onto something here. This is working. And I sort of know that if I'm feeling this, then other people um, will hopefully feel the same way. So that was that was the reason why to sort of tell this this story about bitcoin through um working through film which is something i love to do
12: and i got a question there how long did that take like from like uh you know from idea to finished product
9: it was about maybe 2 or 3 months so i don't know whether that's long or not it sort of it, 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 it went quite quickly actually um, you know, mo- it was hard work there's a lot of work went into it in terms of hours but doing the, pr- the, the project in that way where I was kind of just, just it wasn't really a collaboration it was just me um, that made the thing flow quite quickly like, so it, it went from concept to, to finished product um, in a short amou- amount of time span
12: and you recognised some of the voices, didn't you, in the film?
0: Yeah, I think I recognised one or two.
9: Yeah, Safe's voice, you recognised. Yeah, Saif. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Saifedine. He was sort of the main. He is kind of the main character, I suppose, because um, I think it's his book, *The Bitcoin Standard*, that has the biggest influence on the film, and it really sort of tells that story. That he the, and, and he reinforces the argument that he put forward in his book.
12: Yeah. So I mean like the 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 power that that Bitcoin once it gets into you like this fundamental kind of calling that you might feel or like uh this um I don't know it's like weird to weird to explain this kind of like voodoo once it takes over your thinking it once it takes over your whole being and your mindset um that pushes you into this this kind of creative space is is that something that you felt and is that something that um that you kind of like drew your experience on and and you know helped produce this film
9: definitely i think bitcoin has that effect on people and yeah i can say for me absolutely i think you know i hadn't worked in film for for a long time leading up to this i'd sort of given it a, a way you know just when I was a bit younger, about about ten years ago, I used to do a lot of work in film. I used to travel. Um, and I you know I thought that was maybe what I wanted to make a career out of, but things kind of went in a different direction. Not, and um, you know I pursued maybe a more um, you know, had had to find a more practical way to make a make a living, and then had a family. and and so I sort of lost that creative spirit a little bit. Uh, and then, yeah, in the last twelve months or, or two years, getting getting interested in Bitcoin, yeah, it just it became this almost overwhelming force of motivation that I felt I needed to to create something or or get that get that out of me. So I absolutely um, know what you mean.
12: What what was like the the first touch point for you for for Bitcoin, if you remember?
9: I was learning about, um, I guess, more traditional investing. Like, I sort of got this, um, you know, I'd always been interested in economics, um, you know, studied that through school and university. But then, yeah, a few years ago, I I just got interested in, in sort of traditional stock market investing, and I was reading Warren Buffett. Uh, and, and that you know that kind of thing. You know, trying out different um, strategies or, or learning about different um, quantitative strategies for, for stock market investing. And I um, I got interested in um, a podcast called The Investors Podcast, which is Preston Pish's podcast. And so I used to listen religiously to that. And it was his him bringing on guests. I think it was maybe Turdemista that he brought on, and um, and I listened to him. Um, talk about Bitcoin, and, and that's when I first heard about it, and it just fascinated me.
12: Yeah, Preston's—he's—he's um, red
9: pilling a lot of people. That's—that's uh, that's for sure. Yeah, it's been interesting watching his own kind of journey um, from just being a, a value investor uh, to to being a, re- a real advocate of Bitcoin. I guess I've sort of been been following on his coattails a little bit.
12: He was one of the voices as well in the in the film, which was yeah, absolutely. Uh, a nice touch. Did you how did you find all of that? Like, did you just use um like favorite podcast episodes or like um you, you know, explain to the listeners how you managed to put all this content, what how did you choose it, why did you choose it, you know, how did you come up with like the flow of the film?
9: Yeah, it's a it's a good question. And there wasn't really a a, a well-thought out process to it. I mean, I listened to to hundreds of hours of podcasts uh, and there's so many good good podcasts in you know r- related to bitcoin nowadays and i think but but yeah when i started the project i didn't have I, I i didn't have anything documented or or noted down i just i guess i had just had subconsciously put together this this narrative that i i wanted to tell i had a, a vague idea of the the topics I wanted to cover and the path I wanted to take, and so then it became quite laborious because I sort of I was I was like oh I remember someone you know Saifedine said this or Preston said that but then I you know I I sort of almost had to go back and re-listen to all this stuff and if someone would um, so I just upped my podcast listening to to quite a few hours a day you know 1.5 speed and then if if I, someone hit one of those points that I thought fit into my narrative, I would screenshot the the time and then I'd go back and and pick it out later so yeah, the first step was just getting this general story together, and then it was the the nitty gritty of going back and finding the actual quotes that that put it together nicely, like you'd have one theme like it might be um, you know central banking and war or it might be time preference or something, and then you might have five the idea was to try and get multiple people talking about the same topic and then putting that together in a coherent story
12: have to reach out and, and ask anybody for like permission or did you just go for it like what was the kind of uh, thinking behind that
9: <laughs> I just went for it and I was worried <laughs> at first when you know, how people would react to that like either the guests themselves or the podcast um, The people that that were running the podcasts, but I suppose um, you know from a technical point of view, I'm not selling the film. You know, it's not a commercial project, so you know I looked into the fact that from a copyright point of view, it does just fall under under educational purposes, I guess. And you're not ripping something off. You're just taking little snippets here and there to to sort of tell an educational story. So I figured that. Even if people didn't like like what I was doing, there was sort of nothing. Uh, I, I didn't think there was anything untoward about the process. And then when I did, I sort of finished the project and reached out to to everyone because um, it was sort of out of the blue because because none of these people I'd met or spoken to before and. The reaction was really positive. Everyone seemed to be really happy to, uh, you know, with what I was trying to do and supporting the project, sharing the project. So I think that's the beauty of of the, the Bitcoin community is that everyone seems to be on, on the same page in, in terms of getting that message out.
12: Yeah, I love that you did that. I, I think there's probably a bunch of people out there in the space that have so much to offer in the form of whether it's writing or, you know, putting Putting together a project like yours, um, they're probably are falling at some kind of like um, like legacy mindset barriers, and there could be people out there like you. Oh well, like I've got this idea, but I can't do it because of you know copyright laws, or um, I, I don't know. It could be sector specific laws that you're not allowed to, um, you're not supposed to cross. But you just went for it and made it, uh, and I bet have you had feedback from um from Preston or safe or um you know Ben was he starts the film doesn't he Ben Prentice with uh what the fuck happened in
9: 1971 yeah everyone has eventually come back and um and give me really good feedback like Safe Dean came back to me and and said he'd, he'd watched it and thought it was really good Preston um said the same thing you know he he Put out a post on Twitter sharing the film and saying that he, he recommended it, and that was a huge, um, you know, a huge bonus for me in terms of getting it out there. And then, yeah, the guys from um, WTF happened in 1971, um, Colin and Ben. They, um, yeah, they were sort of the first guys that that really helped me share it and, and get the word out. Um, yeah, because that, you know, that their sort of take on things was a big inspiration as well. So. So everyone um, you know, who's, who was involved in the film eventually came back and, and said that they, they really liked it. So that was amazing for me to get that feedback.
12: So if you've got a message to anybody out there that might be listening to this, uh, has seen your movie, is visiting 21ism, is seeing the whole Bitcoin art collective thing come together, what would that message be?
9: yeah I think as you said before it's just um if there's anything if there's any doubt or anything holding you back from creating something, then just forget it and and, and go and do it. I think that's the main thing I learned out of this is that um you know if you worry about, about anything like that, then you can put these things off forever so you know i had had a window of time and 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 had a had an idea and just yeah just went for it and and it worked out but i think um that couldn't have happened without the year, you know, the year or more I spent just, just learning and absorbing and, and getting motivated and, and inspired. So I think uh, you've, got to, you've really got to find that story, that whatever the media is, whether it's art or, or podcasting or writing or film, you, know, it's, you need to find that story that you need to tell um, and then you can sort of just, with enough hard work, you just let it flow out.
12: So what's next,
9: mate? Where do you go from
12: here? Is that, is that it? You've got everything out of you, what you needed to get out? Or is that now just relit another fire?
9: Yeah, unfortunately, it sort of lit another fire. <laughs> and I, you know, I sat back and, and relaxed for a few weeks and then I realized that uh, I was getting bored and needed to, to do something else. So I'm working on another another project at the moment. It's actually getting um, getting close to being finished. It's a, It's a... Um, documentary about, I guess it's about like anarcho-capitalism and libertarianism. It's sort of based on Murray Rothbard's work and um, it's almost like a prequel to the hard money film because it talks more about the, the state and the government um, and, and the nature of that institution and leads you up to, to, the, to the way they have a, a monopoly on the production of money. Uh, and and that's kind of where it ends and and hard money picks up the story from there so that's uh, yeah that should be ready to go within the next month or two mate that's awesome I
12: look forward to that and it it feels to me as though like I've watched the clips for your other movies that you sent over and they look amazing and that looks like is that you surfing and uh, snowboarding around the world and documenting
9: yeah Yeah, the um, the surf trip we did was my brother and I um, you know we just took off and spent a year in Africa and it was a, you know, when when we think back to how crazy the idea was, we're like, oh, yeah, we'll make this film, and we sort of, you know, for the first few months, we did have a friend with us helping, but, but he, you know, in the end, it was just us sticking it out, and we'd film it, like, one person would surf, and, and then we'd have to swap over, and the other one would film. Um, so it was just, yeah, the two of us kind of living out the back of our car, um, um, surfing and exploring and making this, this film. That was a an incredible experience and the snowboarding and one awards, wasn't right? me um you know i i do like to ski and snowboard but i'm not uh, you know, not up to <laughs> to that so i um you know w- was able to get a few australian um professional snowboarders together and we, we went over to afghanistan and um kind of poked around <laughs> and and went snowboarding and uh, and survived to tell a tale
12: and I did notice that uh, that that film in particular that that won awards.
9: Yeah, all those other films, um, you know, have been to film festivals, won a few awards. So that was a great. Um, you know, none of them. Well, they were all commercial projects in that they got they would, got distribution and, and got sold, but they weren't, um, you know, it was really you're doing it for the love of it rather than, than the money, but that was a great way to, to spend a few years, you know, travelling around, making these films and going to film festivals, uh, you know, the, each and each of those sort of sports, whether it's skiing or surfing or whatever, has a community and, and has a circuit of festivals. And, um, you know, it was back in the day when less, less stuff happened online, it was more, yeah, you know, you'd have these screenings or deep you know we'd literally be walking around the car parks in in the beaches in in australia handing out flyers for for film screenings and and things like that so that was a really fun process
12: awesome man well Fingers crossed that you start um, getting awards for the, um, the Hard Money film and the next one coming out, and we can help you raise awareness. We should probably leave it with uh, where can people come and find you? And um, I believe people can donate towards the film rather than buy it. Um, if you can just explain uh, to the listeners.
9: Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, the, the website is hardmoneyfilm.com if anyone would, would like to donate to the project. That would be fantastic. Um, my Twitter is um, rjames underscore btc if anyone wants to follow on Twitter.
12: Excellent. Thanks, mate. Thanks for doing this. I hope, um, you know, you, you get a little bit more of a, uh, a following through 21ism and uh, what these guys are doing as well. And, um, yeah, keep up the great work.
9: Thanks so much, Daniel. Thanks for having me.
1: Very happy to welcome our featured dev Rutsal. Best known for his work on the raspy Blitz project. He talks here to Max Bit by Bit and our good friend Bitcoin QA about his background, his work, and everything in between. He's a fascinating guy. You should definitely go and give him and the project a follow. And then uh, when you're done with that. Come back to 21ism.com and uh, have a look at everyone's feature pages. There's lots of content there. Thanks for listening.
6: Root Soul, welcome to 21ism. Thank you so much for joining us, and for anyone who doesn't know about what you're working on, can you please just do a little bit of an introduction?
13: Yeah, sure. Um, um, I think most people know me from the Raspberry Blitz project, which is running a Bitcoin and Lightning node on a Raspberry Pi and a do-it-yourself project and um, sprung into a lot of other additional apps you can now add to this, to this node. So it's running your own Bitcoin node is one of the main projects I'm involved. But it, sta- but it started from the Fulmo Lightning hack days and even the Lightning Conference. Uh, that's where I'm uh, involved in organizing mostly the hack table or the technical kind of parts. So um, I think this is the kind of most area I'm around and, and visible in the Bitcoin area. And
6: what was it that first grabbed your attention and brought you into Bitcoin? You can say price rise if you like.
13: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It it, um, it, it was really the concept about the uh, money without banks. So it started after my studies. Like I was seeing, like, this, uh, I have to work for money now. And uh, what is this money? And so I had this interest about money. So, and then you were seeing, like, what's going on with with all the uh, 2008 crash uh, and was like, Yeah, there needs to be something better. And because I was just kind of sensitive uh, From that kind of perspective, this is where Bitcoin grabbed my attention Um, I think it took some time before I had time to really jump in because sure there's private life and stuff so uh, but then I had this moment and and I jumped in with a hackathon just kind of taking the weekend, just trying to stuff out, build something, a small idea about donations. And this is where it really grabbed my attention about this, all those, um, yeah, just this money system, this payment system also, this is why I maybe was going a little bit more into the lightning direction later on, is the, this fascinated me. And the thing of having this in a decentralized way and changing the system a bit with this, that's uh, very powerful.
6: And what was that experience like falling down the rabbit hole? Did you feel lonely when you were doing it, or did you have enough people around you who were on a similar path?
13: We were quite good connected. So I started with this this hackathon, uh, and kind of very quickly connected to the Berlin Bitcoin scene, the people that were active at this time, and most people are still. So it was was great because there were a lot of on one side there were a lot of like minded people because there was this. There was The same interest, a little bit like this agriculture background for a lot of people, uh, or at least technically interested. And on the other side, it was this diversity of people that that uh, really uh, didn't never it never got got boring. Eh? So, so let's talk this way. And 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 so no, it was a great journey. It was connected with people. And uh, after this, I kind of stuck to the uh, kind of Berlin Bitcoin meetup scene. Even that I had my my short kind of departure or detour into the Dogecoin world. What was more <laughs> more like a protect kind of uh, measurement uh, because at one point I was there in uh, one of those big events at Texas Bitcoin and that was great on the one side but on the other side uh, you really could see all this um, the people that just wanted to make business was Bitcoin and didn't see the, the, I think they liked the underlying flavor they were seeing, but you would already see like people just, oh, this is great. This is a hype. Where can, where can get my finger in here? And, and those people that care more about the scam than about the, the other stuff. So you, you could at least see those people or at least feel those people around. And this is where I was then hiding a bit in the Dogecoin world what which is was also not perfect when protecting against scams so yeah so made my lesson and now fascinated by lightning (laughs) (laughs) and outside of
6: dogecoin any other bitcoin horror stories from either you or your friends that you can share
13: with us like real life boating accidents Oh yeah, there was. Um, there's this great feature on the Trezor where you can uh, set an extra password. So I don't know if everybody knows it. There's so normally, normally you set up your Trezor, you get your words to recover, uh, but then you can add an extra password. That with every password you put in, it kind of puts you onto new wallet pass. And and if you don't have this password, you don't have access to those funds anymore. And. <laughs> oh no it was like I was. I have all the words here so. <laughs> but what was this what, 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 which, which one was this password <laughs> I wanted to be too secure here so <laughs> oh no because I liked it I liked it very much because it has this feature because it's so, so nice you can uh, if, if somebody robs you you can put in another password and have some small bitcoin there uh, mm-hmm. amount or something and say look this is what everything I have please take it from me sir and and, and <laughs> and, uh, and then you have the other stuff safe or under the other password. I, I like that idea, but um, but really make sure to remember the password. <laughs> oh, good tip that's a great tip
6: <laughs> oh. yeah.
13: take, take something maybe that you're very used to and not try to be too smart <laughs> yeah <laughs>
6: And so once you've gone through the horror stories and you' got out of Doge and all of this stuff and you, and you really went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole what was it that got you involved in the Raspberry Blitz project? It, it's a fantastic project. I love what you guys are doing and like I said to you before I'm Yet to set one up, but it looks so cool, and everyone raves about it. How how did it come about?
13: Um, it really developed from um, our our decision to to do the hack days, uh, so the lightning hack days, and the, the decision to learn together with the community what this lightning can do. And um, when we planned the first event, the last, the first uh, hack day in Berlin, Germany, we were saying, "Come on, we need." First of all, people should bring nodes and so that we can see what does it take to run a node? Do you need a big computer? Can you do it in a smaller thing? and also there is this recipe Blitz tutorial recipe Bolt from Staticus um, that already a lot of people were starting to building uh, nodes on recipe Pies so we're like come on let's buy some recipe Pies and um, and then just try to do the tutorial there and see how far we get and then <laughs> on, on the first hack day uh, it was nice because a lot of people had interest and then we, we started to do this and, and yeah, we're not even f- finished finishing syncing the blockchain after the second day so, so at least we were starting copying stuff and then we're seeing oh this is usb2 this is a a uh, (laughs) small so all the stuff was like 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 eating our time to to get this this finished so i think that the, the the tutorial was great or is still great from from Staticus if you really want to do it step by step. But there was the idea to make it maybe a little bit more convenient or more easier to set up a, a node on a Raspberry Pi, and this is then where we kind of just put the um, the, the tutorial, the, the little lines into, into into scripts. And so this this is why this whole project is built on on Bash script most uh, most of the scripts. Um, so uh, and this kind of developed from there. And uh, at one point I was seeing this problem with people setting it up. What is my ip and we really it was like okay now i have to look it up here and we didn't so and we were just going why not the screen and i was seeing this little nice screen on amazon and was saying let's try this out it doesn't look this hard and uh, yeah and so step by step it developed from there so this is the originally original story how how why we started it to make it easier for us to um to have those on the hack days and then make it easy for people to add their projects to it so that we can play them with them with it and uh, just everybody can bring it to the events or exchange it online about it and we have this if you run it yourself you you have a better understanding and that was the kind of basic idea behind it.
6: That sounds amazing, and uh, this is why Twenty One I S M has chosen you as our dev. You are the first dev that we've had on here, mm. and we love <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we love what you're doing. And what I thought for this interview was me. I'm not massively technical. I try my best, but you know, really, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So I have Bitcoin Q and A joining us on this interview to make me sound a little bit better, make me sound like I know what I'm talking about, and ask some questions to. To dig a little bit deeper into the technicals so bitcoin q a can you take over and ask the next question please
8: absolutely yeah i'm not going to get too technical too quickly first question for you rootsol is what advice would you give to somebody who doesn't currently run a node that is looking to start taking that next step what would the first piece
13: of advice give to them mm-hmm. The i think the first advice or at least question this person should ask is what kind of person I am uh, and how much time do I have to to, to spend on it uh, maybe this changes afterwards but if you're more coming from this consumer kind of uh, perspective so if you're more Peter McCormick kind of guy um, then 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 maybe really start with something that that really tries to pick you up very very on your on your level like like I think the the umbrella now with the you uh, wrap your eyes is doing a great job there and uh, re- reducing, hiding all the complexity from you, just try to make it very simple. Um, and the my node is even, I think, also reaching this goal quite good uh, because it picks you up with a web browser and, and really tries to hide the kind of complexity behind the cute QI. Uh, which is great because uh, such note projects are needed. And I think if you're more like that kind of person, maybe really start with such a project. But if you really know maybe from yourself, even if you're maybe not a programmer, but you're a person that really likes to tinker and, and, and get a little bit... Uh, likes to have the possibility to quickly get under the hood of something uh, and then there, then then maybe the Raspy Blitz is, is a project for you to choose so this is a kind of when you're coming from a do-it-yourself culture definitely check out the RaspiBlitz so it's um so this is the kind of maybe first question if people ask which which direction because you have to choose in a project the thing this is maybe the first question that people ask themselves and then also ask yourself a bit like like what is maybe your goal uh, maybe even that's changing in, in the end. But but um, but if it's really just to run it, if you want to become a good routing node in the network, that's something different than just running your own Bitcoin node. Maybe a small Lightning node for yourself and uh, a an Electrum server to to um, to have more privacy on your hardware wallet transactions. So there is a little bit different kind of journeys you can can take. But sure, you can also jump between them. Most of the projects try to give you a big variety there yeah i think
8: uh, i think that's great advice like you say there's uh, quite a lot of things to consider before uh, taking the plunge in uh and and diving into the whole node uh, space so so let's say somebody's at they've asked themselves them questions they've decided to go for the blitz they're a bit of a tinkerer or you know they just want to get stuck in what what are the common pitfalls that people would make that you see from the support groups that they generally tend to make when when they're getting set up with a blitz mm-hmm
13: so, the, the basic two ones are um, kind of stable power and uh, kind of data stability. Um, so, this is why the first kind of lesson is um, even even that the Raspberry Blitz invites you as a do it yourself project to build it from parts. We really recommend that you try to stick as close to the chopping list that we have online um, on, on, and kind of where you, all the single parts are very important to have a stable power supply and also to have. Have the uh, hard drive uh, SSD m- close to that model that we recommend because even for even if you go into the same SSD uh, but take it a, a bigger one it could it could mean that it takes more power and maybe then uh, kind of makes it unstable from the power kind of side so those those are having reliable hardware and have the hardware very close to what we recommend is something i think is the kind of first pitfall you can fall into especially on if you just choose your old power supply that you have lying around and then just plug it into, into those setup of the Raspberry Blitz. Um, then this, maybe the second part then to look into is to um, make sure that you have your backup credentials right and at least in a good secure way so for, for sure make sure to to keep keep your uh, written down words in a safe place and the other thing that you need is the static channel backup file um, that's normally already Saved on the SD card and the and the hard drive by default, but also have a better backup to have um, the last version. Makes it possible to connect the additional small USB thumb drive to it and have it uh, have it uh, storing there again the file, but also have a have it storing it outside your location, like like with a remote place like on Dropbox. Uh, it's definitely recommended, even if Dropbox doesn't sound like the most trustworthy place. Um, the, the the script is uh, the the file is encrypted with your seed words. So as long as you don't store your seed words on the Dropbox, it's it's safe to use. And the benefit that you get is even if your complete, say your 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 places gets flooded or burned down, if you have the seed words and the static channel back up uh, in, in, in in remote location, then you can very good chances to to recover your funds. Yeah. Great
8: advice, especially around the the whole hardware piece. Uh, I've certainly uh, come a cropper with some various USB two and three uh, issues with Raspberry Four. So yeah, great advice. What uh, since you first uh, started working on on the Raspberry Blitz project, what's been the hardest add on to get up and running?
13: Um, I think the we had this phase when the Raspberry Pi 4 came out. Uh, we had a lot of experimentation how to get this stable because it was very it, it was getting very hot in the uh, and so we, we then started to to go with a with a fan to cool it uh, and then made the experience that uh, having a moving part in that setup is is is, an, is, 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 a, is a journey you really want to choose uh, because uh it, this is a mechanical thing that spins uh, can really make problems, like getting loud and just getting annoying, uh, or uh, we even have sometimes just dropped dead uh, uh, because there was uh, was had one Raspberry Pi uh, Raspberry Blitz I was was maintaining and it was finding a dead fly in there. So, so there is really stuff that can happen, and and all this, or even even the the dust situation, then gets gets. Can get problematic, so um, figuring that out, getting away from this 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 moving fan again, um, especially because the it, it, it even made strange problems. We we were kind of try to figure out why and and thanks to open arms this is uh he really figured out a lot there um so so we get rid of the the fan again so i think this journey was at least from rehardware hardware kind of situation something that took us some time to get right and i think at the moment we're quite happy with the heatsink case that we have this was on the hardware side on the software side it's um it's really like really now seeing that we have a lot of moving parts because, again, the Raspberry Blitz tries to be a very open community based project. So people are very, very happy that people contribute to the project. But then, of course, you have a lot of moving pieces and, and just to try to get keep them together, at least as a constant uh, kind of journey we're on. Um, but I think at least we, we try our best there, but really getting used to having all those different setups, that's definitely something uh, that uh, took a lot of time to really get used to it and I think I hope we reached a quite good good level there.
8: Yeah, I think uh, w- when you've got a, a Node implementation that's as feature-packed as as Blitz, I'm sure there's uh, every single add-on causes uh, many, many headaches there, so uh, yeah, kudos to you and the team for uh, keeping okay. it also locked down and uh, and working so well together. Uh, last one from me, uh, Rootsolve, would be if you could wave a magic wand and sort of steal a, another uh, feature from another node implementation or, or come up with a completely new one and just get it implemented mm-hmm. in, into Raspberry Blitz, what would that be?
13: Um, I think definitely the web UI. So um, because um, we had this in mind for a longer time, because people are used to use the browser, and again, like I was telling, like the people that coming a little bit more from the consumer perspective, they want to have something neat and a little bit complexity uh, hidden. But this wasn't felt this not felt right in the past because we want to have this openness and. When we, people have with SSH that was great, and and gives, gives us all you gives gives you all the all the all the possibilities to tinker. Um, but having a web UI is definitely something I would like to have a magic wand and just make boom, and it's on there. And this is why I looked a little bit closer to at the umbrella project uh, that really seems to make a very very great job and having coming from this kind of design-first perspective. And um, this is something maybe not impossible to to take parts of, of the, this UI, of the dashboard kind of world. Maybe we have to to redo uh, something on the backend side, but this looks at least interesting. So if I can make a friendly wish, uh, I wish the umbrella programmers would be very happy, even if the Raspberry Blitz would have some parts of this and maybe get contributes back in the future. Let's see. We'll have to to see there if this is something that people like and also the programmer team likes yeah for sure I think uh,
8: yeah the web UI will probably be a, a big selling point for particularly for like you say those users that are not perhaps not so technical uh, especially now that you know the world's going increasingly uh, mobile I think uh, if, if that web UI is accessible, on people's mobile phones as well. It probably uh, make, make things a lot easier for, mm-hmm. for people wanting to get on board and, and run a node. So, yeah, that, that's been great, uh, Rootsol. Thank you very much. I'll uh, I'll hand it back over to Max now.
6: Thanks for asking those uh, more technical questions. And now back to the basic questions from me. <laughs> I'm going to have to put you uh, put you on the spot a little bit here, Rootsol, because we're trying to sure. keep these interviews shorter than what I'm used to. Yeah. So I'm going to do a bit of rapid fire for you here and put you on the spot.
13: All right, let's go. What's the most contrarian view you hold? Um, that I think that um, next to Bitcoin there will be local commun- uh, currencies uh, and a kind of social money that maybe even work in extremely more with inflation but can can, but, but can make something real like a, a universal basic income or something. Because a lot of people just think uh, there is this just this one world without money and it will rain all and will, it will swipe away all the other stuff. Uh, but I think there it opens up the opportunity for, uh, for having other money experiments and we will see those and do you think these things will all be digital you think most of them i think that's it's something once people get used to digital money especially like having bitcoin as a also as an option i think it doesn't make sense it, it makes sense you can be so much flexible now with with digital tools and apps and think with something we will see more yeah
6: and what if anything do you see could possibly destroy bitcoin
13: it's maybe again the um the the now the wall street kind of creeping in a little bit more and people and those guys are used to take control of what they kind of own or at least think they own and the uh and we will see some attempts there and we have to watch out that the economical there's a good article from from staticers like uh, running a full note is important and we need to run economical uh, full nodes that have some economical power. And the good message is there are a lot of smaller nodes together can, can sum up at least against the biggest like Coinbase uh, running nodes and, and, and Amazon running nodes and Google running nodes and uh, Apple running nodes, whatever we have in the future there. Um, so uh, yeah, that's something to look out for. And this is why I think a lot of people like also to train and to do running a node.
6: Excellent advice. Yeah, uh, completely agree. Everyone who's listening, let's uh, run a node, get a Pi Blitz running and keep these dirty weasels out and from <laughs> trying to control Bitcoin.
13: <laughs> yeah. and and, and, and but, but just just to, to let you uh, everybody know it's not that important that you run a node every time so because that's something we really need to run run something from your home is not for everybody but to be able and to understand what it takes to run your own node, though, so when the time comes that you're maybe possible to do this and maybe then provide a little bit uh, this is the training is very important mm.
6: if you could speak to satoshi i gave you one hour in a pub just you and him a <laughs> couple of pints <laughs> share a
13: packet of crisps what would you say to him well first of all of course thank you so uh this is uh, such a selfless act uh, that we're seeing uh the donating something uh, and and even then not touching those satoshi coins that are on there <laughs> so it's a very very thank, thank you for that so um the the, the more details maybe i would I would be very interested in his view on the uh, energy consumption question because I think a lot of Bitcoiners very easily weasel out of there. Um, and it was one of the first questions even Hal Finney was asking, like, uh, oh, we have to talk about this uh, energy consumption thing and how it maybe can have to do with the CO2 problem and maybe add to it. And uh, I know there's a lot of, I like discussing this at least. And from Satoshi, I would like to hear if he if had in mind what we were seeing now with the, with the mining industry interesting
6: yeah it's a it's a big question that comes up a lot to my mind i think it's been answered and i think it's been answered pretty well but it's a complex rabbit hole and um i'm not sure i fully understand and uh yeah it'd be fascinating to hear what he had to say about that good question if i'm ever (laughs) if i ever find (laughs) myself in a pub with him i'm going to be stealing that one from you what's your top five books you've ever read
13: um, there's, uh, from the top of my mind, there is, uh, some good books from Eric Fromm or, um, some good Harari thing books that are, that are I really like those. Uh, the, there's a lot of stuff there. Good, uh, science fiction, uh, Lem Asimov, of course. Uh, maybe one, one in particular I really liked was the KLF, the manual. I don't know if you, if you know it, it's about the the the, no. the, 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 guys that did the KLF and they wrote a book like the manual, how to do a number one hit. So it's really manual. You can follow, and I really like the spirit in there. It's like no respect for the industry and just get going and do it. It's like it's like like, like cyberpunks <laughs> write code. It's like like music punks write music. Like it's so we really like the attitude there. So a uh, very interesting band. So uh, they're definitely a good book, and yeah. And at the moment, I try to to have this um, depth. The first five thousand years on my table are uh, from David Graeber. I uh, didn't know, know him, knew, knew him before, but I think he died recently and came up in my timeline. And a lot of people I respect recommended there in his books. So definitely something to to read on now.
6: Okay, great. I'll check that one out. How, if at all, has Bitcoin changed you?
13: Mm, that's good. Uh, I think, honest. On a social level, it was a very interesting journey because, um, as you can, can can see, I'm kind of uh, with all these events we're doing and, and the meetups, I kind of even I'm normally a little bit more uh, kind of a nerdy person, not too, not too much, but at least uh, also like to be a lot by myself and so a lot. So um, meeting all those different people was this is really interesting i think it changed a lot in my perspective to have a broader view and also on the tolerance level it added a lot uh, to at least to be to be able to handle some views that i was very strange maybe to me before so this is definitely a journey um that's that you can learn a lot from the bitcoin scene to uh <laughs> even if it doesn't seem to in the beginning, maybe. Uh, but but there's a lot of diversity there uh, in in different mindsets and why people are there and and what they're thinking about the world and that's very interesting and i think it definitely let there's some imprint there yeah
6: it is amazing Uh, i think whether people like to admit it or not it does change all of us to some degree and it's it's such a powerful force when you really get involved with it and uh, i I think it really flips your mind on a lot of issues and i think that's amazing Uh, you know people say bitcoin will change you more than you change it and i I completely agree yeah definitely it's a journey (laughs) yeah for sure All right, we're coming up to time now. It's been amazing talking to you. I love what you're doing, and it's great to have you as our first dev. So thank you for taking the time to speak to me and to Bitcoin Q&A. But before we
13: close out, Mm -hmm. I would
6: like to finish on you giving me your best one-minute elevator pitch.
13: Oh, okay. Um, In the end, it's like everybody knows, uh, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. uh, But I really like to add to this, uh, not your node, not your rules. So, yeah, this, this is uh, something to think about, uh, maybe to expand a little bit this this pitch line.
6: Brilliant. All right. Thank you so much for joining me. As I say, it's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I'll be reaching out to you in the background once I try and set up my Raspberry, And uh, it all goes wrong. So <laughs> 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 we'll be speaking again soon. Uh, any final words from you, Bitcoin Q&A?
8: Uh, no, well, I'd just like to say to Rootsol on behalf of myself and probably the rest of the community, just just a big thank you. You know, I've got huge respect for everybody that's uh, in the trenches building stuff to push this whole space forward. So, yeah, just a big thank you to Rootsol and uh, you keep doing what you do. It is appreciated. Thanks.
6: <laughs> Any final words, Rootsol?
13: I'm, I'm quite good, um, but maybe if you if you if you want to check out the the Raspberry Blitz project, the uh, RaspberryBlitz.org, uh, or just search RaspberryBlitz uh, on 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 the search engine, and uh, you should find it on the GitHub page, and enjoy the journey from there. Amazing! Thanks for everything you do,
6: and we'll speak again soon.
13: All right, bye bye. <laughs>
4: It's all a matter of your perspective. You can look at this and say, hey, this is gonna be an extremely concerning and terrible, devastating. Dude, flip that on its head. Start telling yourself you're gonna crush this.
13: And start doing whatever you got to do in order to get as smart as you can and leverage the opportunity that's being presented to you.